Welcome everyone to another episode of the Casanova Podcast. I'm your host, Hawaii's favorite YouTuber, Mikhail Casanova, and I'm here to say thank you. I want to personally thank you for listening to and supporting our podcast uh, for the last half a year that we have been around. We've been around for six, almost seven months, and you guys have been phenomenal. And you've helped us grow in tremendous ways, uh, millions of listens, millions of downloads. You know, we've had all kinds of guests on, from video games to, po- to, to politics to pop culture to just just about everything. And it, this would not have happened without you guys. So thank you. And I hope you enjoy today's show. We've got special guests, Mike Tindo, sixty four, and I hope you guys go and you check out his website mike tendo 64.com and you follow him on twitter mike tendo 64 and just it's you know some of the best nintendo and gaming review and content that you'll find is on their site and on their twitter so thank you for uh listening to this podcast and for tuning in and supporting us for so long and i hope you enjoy our guests and i hope you enjoy the show again thank you all right, and welcome everyone to another episode of the Casanova Podcast. I'm your host, Mikhail Casanova, Hawaii's favorite YouTuber, coming at you with another episode. I'm super, super excited and honored to have the one and only Mike Tindo 64 of Mike Tindo. Welcome to the podcast. I know we tried to do it before, had some technical issues, but man, uh, is glad. Uh, I'm so glad to have you back. Introduce yourself, man. Tell people where they can find you. Hi. <laughs> uh- Hello everyone, I am Jack Longman, one of the two guys who run Mike Tendo 64, a Nintendo media site home to news, reviews, features, rumors, and pretty much anything else Nintendo related, actually. <laughs> and like, like, well, we have tried this before, and we did, I think it was like 90 minutes we recorded. It was such a good show, and we had lots to talk about, but there were issues. Uh, hopefully, things get better this time, and we actually have something to share. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I, I'm, it's, it's, it's an honor to have you back on the podcast, man. I know we've been... We've been trying to get this squared away and make it happen. I'm glad we were able to do it. So, um, yeah, yeah, man, yeah. Um, um, go ahead and give people a brief background on yourself. Like, um, you know, how you got into uh, being a content creator for MikeTindo.com. And, you know, you guys also have a YouTube yeah. channel as well. So, yeah. Okay. Well, uh, basically, um, Mike Tendo 64 started in 2015 because my brother, the Mike behind Mike's, Mike's Tendo, he wanted to create a site that was uh, more specific on news relating to Zelda, Wii U, and DNX because in 2015, it was a time where there was lots of rumors and this, and nothing really concrete, so we wanted to do that. But as things happen, you know, we grew, time just went by really quickly, the NX became the Switch, fantastic games were constantly being released, and we're just, we just got caught up with it all. Although before joining Nintendo 64, I was a freelance journalist since 2008. So it's not like this is like new for me. It's just I got into video game, you know, writing about video games one day instead of the marine environment and conservation and less real world stuff. <laughs> oh, wow. You've done marine biology uh, writing on that? 
I used to do articles on that, yeah, because as a scuba diver who learned to dive in Spain, I took an, very much an interest in the local marine life, and I wanted to share everything I learned with all those who were coming to visit because Lajeridor is something of a tourist destination. So it was just a means of doing articles that people could read and get educated on. It's like, oh, my God, what the hell is that fish? Actually, that's a trigger fish. You don't want to get near that one because, you know, they have a trigger that comes out and it can give me a nice, horrible, you know, prick. Because lots of people love to try and swim up to them and pet them for some reason. No, they're not <laughs> medical. Leave the trigger fish alone. <clears throat> it's, it's so... It's like uh, every summer, we will get on the shoreline like 20 foot lines of jellyfish one mile wide. It's just jellyfish invasion. And it's like these people have never heard of a jellyfish before. <laughs> oh my God, I've been stung. What do I do? It's like, really? Really? <laughs> what to do when you stung? So I'd, I'd write these little articles about you know the do's and don'ts of being at the beach, how to treat your jellyfish things, a bit about marine biology, the anatomy of fish, marine conservation, and sometimes I'd even do articles on maritime history, just because I felt like, ooh, did you know in La Herradura where you are, we actually had a shipwreck in 1562, you know, these ships come in and out of 30 ships... Only three of them remained intact when it all finished after a terrible wow. storm. So I'd write, I'd write articles like this. And, yeah, it, it's definitely been weird. I've tried my hand at a lot of things over the years. Video game writing is a lot simpler, but E3 is an absolute killer. Man, that's uh, I, that's super impressive, man. Like, I, I, I didn't know that. I, I'm, man, that's cool. So you, you... Or one, a few that, you know, cover Nintendo, you know, gaming and basically gaming news in general that actually is a journalist versus, you know, being the YouTube journalist. Like, you are credentialed as a journalist. That's amazing. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, I've been doing it for, wow, 10 years this July. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's a scary film. No, yeah, it's definitely a lot of fun. I mean, as part of one of the things I got to do during my time was during the Sea Festival uh, four years ago, I got mm-hmm. to put a wild turtle that had been rescued back into the water. And, you know, and then two years later, I got to do it again. It's like, wow, I'm actually rehabilitating an animal and being involved with it. All because I'm writing a news story on it. And I happen to be a diver, so I'm allowed to be in the water. I'm so all these very few other guys filming it. And it was just an incredible experience. That is amazing, man. I, I'm, I wish I had a background in journalism. Like the closest I have to, I mean, I've when I was in college, I was part of the the newspaper freshman to senior year. But dude, you got. I wish I had the credentials you had. Like that is phenomenal. I ha- I have had a lot of fun with it, but um, there have been some instances where it went fun. It's like a. Because I was freelance for a long, long time, I did go to get a job at one of the local newspapers. Except mm-hmm. when I was there, they offered, they wanted me to take a different job than the one I was applying for. Because before it was just to go in for a freelance gig that was more on a permanent basis. But they wanted me to move their desk job if I got the job. Mm-hmm. And it was basically 
troubled to sit at this computer all day, look at the new Spanish articles that come in, translate it, and then writing like, so you want me to write news that's already been done as opposed to actual news and the marine life stuff that I've come here to apply for? Yeah, no. <laughs> I, I don't want to copy and paste. But, yeah. And when I weren't doing that, because I live in Spain, I'm a diver, I was doing the whole endless ocean thing, like in the, the Wii games, yeah. where you take the people out diving. That's what's me. I was the dive guide. Oh, wow. We didn't have the dolphins oh, wow. or anything cool like that, but I used to take people out diving, and that, that was fun. And sometimes, because I'm a paddy dive master, I would help on courses and teach people to dive. Wow, that is amazing. Damn, yeah. I, I'm so jealous. You're in Spain right now? Yeah, I've lived in Spain since uh, the end of 2002. It's been a long time. I literally grew up here from England to Spain. I am jealous. Like, I, I, I that's one place I've not been. I've not been to Spain. Like, I, I would trade you. You can come here to Hawaii. I'll go to, I'll go to Spain. <laughs> Absolutely. No, no, that, that sounds good to me. Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, I, I, you know, I want to ask you, because I know, you know, you guys have the MikeTindo.com. Um, I want to ask you also about because uh, you all you guys also have a YouTube channel. Um, we have a YouTube that we sadly don't get to do that much with. It's it's a shame because I really want to do more with it because uh, we used to have these skits that was just absolutely hilarious. Like we did a Super Mario Maker Bro show, and for Halloween we uh, this one episode I wore like a Mario mask. It's really like a zombie Mario thing, and I painted my face so it looked like I was Mario that I'd become a monster or was a monster <laughs> that just ate, literally ate Mario and took his face for himself. It's it was good fun. I miss those shows, but it. With Mike, who I did them with, he's moved away, so it's a bit harder to do those shows nowadays. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, like, especially like when you're trying to do, uh, you're trying to maintain, like, you know, your social media for Mike Tendo yeah. and trying to, you know, maintain the website as well as because you have a staff of journalists under you too. Uh, we have a we have a lot of uh, bloggers and you know some who are writers themselves who we have seen over the years. We've appreciated their work and went, hey, you want to join us? You know, share your content on our side and anything you do for us, you're allowed to share on your site because we're not going to go anal and possessive over you. Because that's the, the thing with this industry. A lot of times, it's all everyone out for themselves. Yeah. We just want to be, you know, teamwork. It doesn't matter whether you're this site or that site. Yeah, you know, sometimes the best way is just to work together. Yeah, I definitely agree. Because um, <clears throat> that's, you know, that's something that I'm looking to do. Um, I'm looking. Is I want to do something out here in Hawaii because I don't feel like it's ever been done out here. Uh, I really don't feel like Hawaii has any type of representation when it comes to like gaming or. Or even, I mean, yeah, we, we have people that enter, like, stuff like Evo and um, Body Count, like, for Street Fighter and for Tekken and whatnot. But I kind of want to start a, you know, a game journalist group, you know, to cover yeah. games or whatnot. But it's so hard when, I'm, you know, for me, because I'm trying to find people that would like to actually commit to... Commit. 
Yeah, and, and that that's that's the hardest part because you know I, I you know I, I built reputations with companies like Nintendo and 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 Microsoft and whatnot. I used to work for Microsoft, and um, I you know I'll get review codes and I'd be like, okay, like I'd like you to review this, and I can I've, I've run into this a lot where I can give someone a review code, and I'm like, okay, can you write a review for it? And I hear nothing, so. <laughs> You know, and yeah. that's the part I'm kind of concerned about. That's that's actually one of the issues I have. I mean, I'm not going to name names, but because um, as Mike Tendo 64 has done more than 400 Switch reviews, there have been instances where we, we get games, and it's a case of you go to give it to one of your reviewers. Again, I'm not naming it. And it is a case of, oh, yeah, I don't like that kind of game. Didn't you ask for it like two weeks ago? I did, but then I realized I don't like that game. So have you got this one? This one, you know, a lot of times when it comes to reviews, the the reviewers themselves can be very specific with what they want to review and what they don't. And I mean, a lot of them that we have are very forthcoming and yeah, happy to do a, back, a review of a game they don't like because they know they're going to get one afterwards. And we try to give everyone a game they like. It's like uh, one of our newest writers, Josh, absolutely loves shooting games. A lot of our other reviewers don't. So when we get a shooting game, it's straight away, we just send it to him. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the time, well, you know, we, do, we go, is there a game you're looking out for? Is there a game you want? Is there a game you want? I like Minecraft. Okay, we'll try and get Minecraft for you. Yeah, Because you haven't actually asked for anything in months. And yeah, I have a book with everyone's little requests <laughs> to one side. <laughs> and I like have a little tick mark next to them how many have actually got what they wanted compared to the ones that haven't. So if the two people ask for the same game, the case of one's got three ticks where he's already got the games he wants and one has it automatically my yeah it's gonna be yeah you're gonna get the game it's your turn although a lot of the times we decide who's actually best for the game anyway it's like donkey kong country uh, tropical freeze when we got that we just knew we had to give it to scott because he's such a huge fan of like mario games and donkey kong in general mm-hmm. so even though he's played this game through through on the way here it's like yeah you're getting the switch game i know you've got it already you're a master at it so you know who's better to talk about it than yourself yeah so same with battle chasers night wars the reveal we had for it he actually reads the comics he knows the material was better than the rest of us so we gave it to him <laughs> And then with our Attack on Titan 2 review, it went to Rory because Rory watches the anime. So it's like, I know no, literally know nothing about Attack on Titan. I love Curry Taylor. I love their games. I even love Attack and Slash, but I know nothing about Attack on Titan. Rory, you're up. <laughs> and, uh, and because we have so many reviews, a lot of times we get the reviews out on time, but life happens and with commitment, you know, when your reviewers have like college and work and relationships, that's all got to come first, and that's where it gets a little hard. It's not you; you have to do more than everyone else, although you pretty much do because it's your site as opposed to their site. But it's all about trying to find a balance, and it's it's not easy a lot of times. Yeah, that's one of the things like I'm I'm really running into, especially like this last the last two to three months i you know i i have this it's weird because i'll go months where you know i don't really get anything and i'll just play something that i like and then i'll probably review it then and there and then out of nowhere there's nis america there's you know bandai namco (laughs) and you know they're like here here's a bunch of codes review these games i'm like 
Oh my goodness. It's <laughs> well, in the uh, the past, I tend to do about 10 to 20 games a month. But last month, because I knew Hyrule Warriors was coming, I literally took hardly any reviews on myself. It was everyone else because I just wanted to play the hell out of Hyrule Warriors. Never mind the fact I put like a thousand hours into the Wii U release and like 300 in Legends on the 3DS. I just wanted to play the hell out of Warriors <laughs> on Switch. I just did not take on any reviews. <laughs> I mean, I did six, but I drew the line at that. Yeah, and I th- I think people don't realize, like, I, I have um, a lot of friends that they're like, man, you're always getting review because I would love to do that, like, and just play games for fun. I'm like, that's the thing is, while you are playing the games for fun, you also still have to have that level of professionalism on it as well because it's, it's basically a job. And your payment well, is free games at right, times. Right. You, you're actually hitting the nail on the head there because this is an issue I have had actually to say to people in the past. You know, reviewing games is not a game. Just because we get games and we get to play them, you know, you have to give the professionalism it deserves. You can't just go, I'm going to play this game for like an hour or two and then I'm going to go play something that I want because, you know, I've got to finish that last level on Xenoblade Chronicles. You know, I want to beat that boss or you know, that first, I'm going to play this flat first. Now. You have to give the, the games you're reviewing the priority, you know. As much as you want to play other games, if you are being given a game that someone has worked months or years on, you know, there, there's a form of trust, you know, they're counting on you to take this game and get yep. the review out in time for when the embargo lifts. You know, it's a trust thing. It's about the relationship you have with developers, a lot of reviewers, though, it's a case of, oh, yeah, I had this game. I'm going to play it. Oh, I'm going to go play St. else now. You know, because if I play it in long instances, you know, I'm going to get bored of it. And if I get bored of it, I'm not going to write it. A good review doesn't get posted one month later, does it? <laughs> a good review is when you give each game your review and the professionalism they deserve, and you're sitting down, you're putting the time into it, just like the developers. Because, you know, it's what the developers deserve. Yeah. They just sit down and properly look at their work and evaluate their work for what it uh, bring up pointers on what went wrong with it and how it could be corrected or any bugs that may be there. But sadly, not a lot of reviewers do that. You know, some of them are just a case of, I don't want to be offensive here, but... There is a clear difference between those who are just doing it for the sake of doing it and trying to get free games and those who are trying to do it in a professional manner. You know, they want the game to get the attention it deserves and try to express it in its entirety. Yeah, that's so true. Um, I know a lot of people that are, you know, trying to become content creators and a lot of them are the only thing they want is the free games. And I know a lot of you know, bigger content creators as well. I'm not going to name names, but, you know, I have them on all my different platforms and Steam, and they'll be like, yeah, I got this game for review, and then I threw out a review. And, and, there's, and, and there's another aspect of it, too, is the integrity, because I've seen a lot of people put out reviews, and they haven't even played the game more than, you know, 10 minutes or maybe an hour. And that was a real big problem when I saw um, when Xenoblade Chronicles 2 came out. It's a lot of people I knew that threw up reviews and they hadn't really played it. And I'm like, how can you put a fully featured review and you've only played like, you know, three hours of it? So, well, 
One thing I will say for Xenoblade Chronicles, before I put my review out, I put 70 hours into it. Yeah. 70, just for the review. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't completed the game. I think I was like um, chapter nine. So I was near the end of the game. I just hadn't. But, you know, the embargo looking. And I wanted something. My review was like 2,500 words to 3,000. And it covered everything. Also, who cares if I didn't write how the ending ended? That's spoilers anyway. Why would I want to give that away? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. yeah, you, you totally have to give the games the uh, attention they deserve and put the time in because, I mean, at the end of the day, reviews are an opinion. And even though you can form an opinion of a game within 10 minutes of playing, 20 minutes in, you can have a completely different opinion because all of a sudden the gameplay has changed and it's become something that, oh, my God, you are interested in. But you're not going to know that because you've already written it off. There could be a game crashing bug in it 15 minutes in there you are saying oh no it's just a credit game you know you just do this to the end but you don't know about the bug and no one can play it it's like um dylan's dead heat breakers which come out for 3ds there is a serious bug in that yet a lot of the reviews for it never seem to mention the bug at all And a lot of people who have had to overcome the bug have had to delete their save data, delete the game, re-download the game, and start a new. Yep. It's, 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 you know, I saw reviews, like, for the Street Fighter that came out. I saw a lot of reviews go up, like, the day of and the day prior, and they were saying how, oh, yeah, the online play is perfect. There's no lag. There's no this. And then I was playing, and I'm like, hold up. How come nobody covered that? So I made sure to cover that in my review, both the written and the video review. And then I saw like one of the other YouTubers I really like, uh, uh, Maximilian Dude, who does a lot of fighting games. He was the only other person that covered that. You know, the, mm. the yeah. there's the input lag, then there's the uh, the the online for Street Fighter 30th anniversary is atrocious. But I did reach out to Capcom. They are working on a patch for it, but yeah. it's like. How is it your previous game from like 2011 has better netcode, and even the one that came out last year has better netcode than the one you have now? So it's like, well, it's like um, what you just said. There is actually take a you know worth bringing up. When Attack on Titan came out for Switch, on the day the review embargo lifted, the online functions didn't actually become available till the day before or two days prior. And yet a lot of the reviews were like on the, the online's awesome. It's this, it's like you've you haven't even had enough time to actually play the online because it's only recently become available, but you're set here you are just either praising it, saying it's absolutely perfect, or saying nothing about it. Mm-hmm. Would it have would it have killed you to put your review off for one or two days to actually fully try it out the online system? I know, and it's like it's it's not even that hard to to just put that time set. I understand like everyone's got obligations, you know. Like you said earlier, you know, life happens. But if if you're really going to reach out to these companies and you're going to commit to stuff like this, you gotta, you know, you, you yeah. gotta give them their just due. Yeah, you gotta give them their just due. But like like when they make the online for the game not even available to two days prior. You do have, to, although it's important, it is to get the review out on time. If you can't review the game as it is, as you have it, 
when something else has been added before, at least you are entitled, you know, encouraged to properly go. Oh yeah, wait, the online. No, I need to put hours into that now. I'll just hold off on my review a little bit or mention in the review. I haven't covered the online yet. I need more time, and then add it in a couple of days later. It's it's. It's definitely an odd situation, <laughs> but it's um, something I will say when when you're trying to have a team, whether you're trying to have news writers or any, at the end of that, you've got to know what they're interested in. If you want your reviewers to review games for you, as nice it is, it would be to have just everyone review whatever you give them. A lot of the times, you've got to make sure they're getting what they want. You've yeah. got to get, make sure they're getting what they're interested yeah. in. And it's the same with news. You know, if someone who only cares about Zelda, they're not really going to want to write uh, Kirby news if they hate Kirby but love Zelda. So if the Zelda news comes along, can you cover this for me, please? Oh, yeah, sure, it's Zelda. Of course I will. You, it's all about trying to stay on top of who likes what and just making the most out of what they can do. But you have to know it. You know, it's like a good leader. He can only lead his team if he knows what he's team would came from in the first place, what they're interested in, you know, it's down to him to motivate them. Mm-hmm. But it's also mm-hmm. down to him to know them. Or her. I'm not saying you have to be a man to be leader. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's um and that's one of the things like I I'm I'm like I said, I'm running into that hurdle. But it's kind of funny because my wife, because uh, she's a gamer, um she she's also a YouTuber, which she actually, she's not she hasn't been active in a couple months. But um, she she one day like when I was just frustrated with all this, she's like, why don't you just give me codes and I'll play the games and review them? She's like, I play anything you give me, but I prefer adventure RPG type games with stories. And I was like, okay, fine. So that's why I gave her one of the codes I had for Ease Eight. And dude, she's like, she is a completionist. <laughs> She like like Xenoblade Chronicles too. She hasn't even beat the game. She's at chapter nine, like where you are. But she's done every single side quest. So I was like, how? <laughs> <laughs> like, where do you find time to do this? <laughs> yeah, it is nice when that happens that way. <laughs> I was like, oh, I got my, I, I got my but, spare journalist. <laughs> but but um, th- there is something that doesn't need to be said about this industry. And I think it is time. It's, there's a reason why YouTube's popular. It's because on YouTube, you get to be more free with what you say. You get to be yourself. I think that's what sort of what's got to now happen with the websites themselves. You know, we've got to see more journalists having fun with the news, you know, embracing mm-hmm. it. Because where they're so anal in the details, we don't see them as gamers anymore. We just see them as people trying to get a paycheck. Yeah, It's time the gaming industry is t- reclaimed by the gamers, be it the ones who, if they're just playing games or if they're writing about games. You know, We've got to see that enthusiasm in everything, not just on YouTube, but in the articles themselves. Yeah. I was remembering, like, back in the 90s, like, when we had, like, GamePro, EGM, and all those different magazines, those guys had a lot of fun writing the reviews. They were honest. And they they also had the one thing that's missing in reviews now. They would talk about the fun factor of the game. And, yeah. you know, there it was just, like, you knew who was writing it because their style, their personality would come through in the review. 
and yes. I feel like it, it's, it really kind of died off in the written press for game reviews in the last 10 years, but I, I feel like it's coming back. You know. Yeah, it's it's like the the film news articles. Is it doesn't really matter when you see news. Most of the time, you're just only going to go to the one website anyway, because yeah. let's face it, that's what you do. If you like a site, you keep going back. But once upon a time, you know, it wasn't just like you know, you write news. It's like the, you know the 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 guy who's writing it is a huge fan of the game himself because their enthusiasm is in the news. So it should be more news reaction articles, really, nowadays. Like, yes, Mario's going to be wrecking right So How old is that? And Charles Martin and his boy, that's what should be news articles. Not, it has been revealed by IDMMB. I mean, by all means, give the facts, but, you know, we're gamers. <laughs> have fun. So maybe the news should be fun as well. You know, there is a reason why YouTube's popular because we actually get to see people being human as opposed to robots. <laughs> Just the, how do we know that someone actually wrote that article? Have you seen this person in five years? No, because he's not on YouTube. <laughs> and he doesn't go to gaming events because he's too busy locked away in his mum's server writing articles all day long. Oh, man. Hey, so um, what? what? What you know, and I meant to ask you this earlier, but dude, what got you into gaming? Because I can tell you're passionate about it, and you know that's that's one thing I, I think as gamers, like we can connect on that passion. But like, what got you into it? My brother, we played Mick and Max McDonald's Kids on the the SNES, I think it was when I was young. He needed to play it too. I was there, and we would just play Mick and Mac all day long. Oh, and then wow. when I got good at that. And when I got good at that, we played Super Mario Bros. And Super <laughs> Mario Bros. 2. And Super Mario Bros. World. And now it's like, you know, I, I don't like platforms, but this Mario, he's a bit of a, you know, I don't like him. <laughs> <laughs> so we started playing other games. And it's like, the, you know, a few years later, we got a Nintendo 64. And that just opened up a huge range of possibilities for us. Although I, I think I didn't, didn't actually know was because I found out recently my nan brought me Yoshi's uh, Yoshi's story on my birthday. I'm like, really? That's how I got Yoshi? For years I know I had it, but I never knew the reason why. It's like, thank you, Nan. Apparently you made me like Yoshi. <laughs> 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 but, yeah. but then I you know, before I even played Super Mario sixty four, I played Ocarina of Time and I was like, boom, this is what I want from video games. This is what I like. And it's just, since then, I've been playing other games. I mean, I've not always been Nintendo. I do have non-Nintendo games that I like, such as Dino Crisis 1 and 2 and Final Fantasy X. I love Final Fantasy X purely because of the Blitzball. If Square Enix just released a Blitzball game on Switch, I would literally put hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours in it. Blitzball is amazing. It's weird we haven't had a standalone game. All these other games we've got, why not a st- Blitzball? I mean, come on! Where's my Blitzball? <laughs> it's one of the reasons why I am pro Final Fantasy export for Switch. Give us that remastered. Don't just keep it on PlayStation 4. Give it to us. I want it. I want that more than Final Fantasy 15. <laughs> I, I agree with you because, I mean, we got 10... We, we you know we got ten we got ten two on the PS4, the PS3, 
and the Vita. Just put it on the Switch where you will guaranteed make money. Like they that they would print money if they did that. You yeah, missed like you just said. It's on the Vita. What excuse have you got that it can't be on Switch? We don't need your modern Final Fantasies. We don't want them. Just give us Blitzball. That's all we want. <laughs> I spent so many hours playing that on the PlayStation 2. That's untrue. I remember this one instance. Um, I was trying to get the Jet Shot free. If I win the tournament, I would get it. Yet for some reason, I wasn't leveled up enough or yet something like my Titus just could not learn it, even when I won the tournament. So I'd have to constantly load, you know, reset and make sure I did say, and just keep playing games and games and games and games and leveling him up just so when I did win the tournament, I could finally have the Jet Shot free. And after one hour of being able to play with it, the disc stopped working and I was never able to play, resume. <laughs> so oh. I had it for one hour. <laughs> I spent probably about a month leveling up, just playing Blitzball to get this one moved. And once I got it, the game did not work anymore. <laughs> My goodness. Dude, I'm I, so sorry. I was so good about the fact I could not play Blitzball. And then uh, to try to make it up to myself, I went, oh, look, Final Fantasy X2 is out. I'm going to get that. And then you just managed Blitzball. And I was like, I don't want to play this anymore. <laughs> hey, I'll be completely I'll honest. Play, I'll oh, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> I don't know. I was just going to say, I finished the game, but I was unhappy with the blitz pool in that one. I actually, like, I have uh, Ten Two. I have not actually played it. I don't know. It's like I had such an emotional investment with Final Fantasy Ten. Like, my mom and I would play it, and she got really into it. I was into it. Uh, my sister was into it. And then when we saw, like, the trailers and stuff for Ten Two having a completely different theme and, and just presence, it really just killed it for me. Like, I, I had no desire to even give it a chance. Like, I still haven't. And everyone's like, man, you need to play 10-2. It wraps up the story of 10. I'm like, yeah, but uh, I don't know. Well, to be fair, 10-2 is actually a great game. It, it is. It's not as good as X, but there is a lot to it. It's a nice way of expanding on the story and adding more to it. And it was very, very enjoyable. And having been in Spain at the time of games, although I had X in English, X2 was played entirely in Spanish. So I had to learn Spanish. Because oh, wow. I wasn't living in Spain that long. So I learned Spanish to play the game and understand the game. <laughs> so <laughs> If I got the opportunity to play it in English, it'll be like a whole new experience for me, which is one of the reasons I want that port. Give us it. I want it. <laughs> but that's what I'm hoping for the most from E3 this year. Just like Square Enix going, we're bringing Final Fantasy X and X2 to Switch. You can thank us later and drop the microphone and walk out. That, right. That's what I want. <laughs> Because I don't think anyone really like. I'm not trying to crap on Final Fantasy 15. The fact that it's somewhat done now. I mean, it's a better experience now than what it was in 2016. But I'm salty because I bought the collector's edition when it came out, and the game I got all the way up until chapter 10, and I'm like, 
this game just does not feel complete. And then they come out with the complete edition, like earlier, I think earlier this year they came out with it, and I paid the $30 on Xbox Live and got it on that instead of the PlayStation. I started replaying it. And then they're like, oh, wait, we've got the Royal Edition. I'm like, oh, just bloody hell. <laughs> you know, it's just... <laughs> I put five hours, I think it was, into 15, and it was just it was just not getting better for me. I just I hated it. I walked away, and, you know, I've watched videos of it later on and see how the story progresses. It's just not interesting. It's like when I played Xenoblade Chronicles 2, I knew within one hour of playing it, I loved the game, and it just kept bringing me back, and I keep playing it. Yeah, I, I even I even played some of it last month. I was waiting for Hyrule Warriors to come out and did want to review <laughs> anything. So I was like, yeah, I'm new game plusing. I still ain't got Cosmos, and that makes me furious because I've had this game since November. All I ever see on Twitter is people with Cosmos, and it's literally like, no, I've had this game longer than you. I had it during the review period, and I still haven't got Cosmos. <laughs> and they just added um didn't they add uh telos too yeah i've got a telos it took me like 100 rare core crystals to get because legendaries weren't working for me and i had recently new games plus so i couldn't farm them just yet <laughs> i you know I, i've been telling people i'm like the fact that we're getting so much xeno saga or the the two main uh androids of xenosaga put into xenoblade chronicles 2 or just the xenoblade chronicles lore I, I tell people that that says a lot to the fact that nintendo and namco have yeah. a good relationship or men and namco have a good relationship and if you eat you okay. know and not and not not to spoil it i'm just gonna say the end of chronicles 2 ties into the xenosaga trilogy as well as Zeno uh, Gear, so I feel like Tetsuya Takahashi finally got the rights because he also has Square and Bandai Namco help him on this yeah. game. So it's like yeah. he's got the rights to basically his creations. <laughs> well, you know, you say about uh, Bandai being on good terms with Nintendo. Well, their Switch ports are all having a success. They were involved with Mario Kart. <laughs> Yep. They worked on the last Smash game for Wii U and 3DS. That's definitely a good relationship for them. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. But is it good enough to get Goku in Smash? That's what everyone wants to know. See? Personally, see? I want him in it just to see everyone character on the roster annihilate him. Have <laughs> everyone be OP compared against him. All right, was, since we're talking about Smash and E3, let's go ahead and jump into that topic, man. Okay, Smash Bros. Absolutely. 2018 for the Switch. What are you? What are your thoughts? What do you think we're going to see? All right, there's what I want to see and what I'm hoping to see. Okay. Expecting to see is, you know, it's, it's going to be a new game. I'm expecting a new game. It's going to be a new game. A lot of... Re- reused stuff from the pre development, but I'm expecting 
old school versus new school. Okay, um, I, I really want to trade up the original eight going at the eight newest characters being added to Smash, be it new characters this time around and last time, and just watch them in civil war each other, have a whole divide, have a, not a battle, a war, and just take it from there, then kick off the tournament and just honor the past and destroy it. And if Bayonetta is not there in her Bayonetta 3 form, I will be sorely annoyed about it. I'm actually expecting a Bayonetta 3 trailer purely because if Bayonetta is involved with Smash, there is no way she can be in Smash, not have her third form and have a trailer revealed just before she's shown in Smash. Because it could literally be a case of, it's Bayonetta 3. Now here's her in Smash. That's true. That's true. Um, I have someone I would like to see in Smash that I have not seen anybody talk about. Dante, Devil May Cry. I would love to see him in Smash. See, the, the only no, no. way I could see that one, I could, no, 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 I would like it, but <laughs> yeah, this is actually, the only way I could see that happening is if Devil May Cry actually came to Switch. And that would be awesome if it did. Let, let's be honest with that. It would be awesome if it comes to Switch. Bayonetta 2 is already doing fantastically well. Bring Devil May Cry and... Oh, heaven. <laughs> I mean, you know, like, it, it could happen, though, because, I mean, we got Cloud, and he he's not been on any Nintendo game. So, I mean, it's possible. Yeah. Wasn't there like rumors that the Final Seven remake was actually going to be coming to a Nintendo platform as well, which is why Cloud was even being entered? Yeah, that could still happen. Final Fantasy Seven comes just to the Dipnot platform. We weren't expecting. Yeah, but to me, one of the characters I would like to see added to it is Pyra and Mifra. Everyone says Rex and Pyra, but I still want to see uh, Pyra and Mifra in the capacity of Sheik and Zelda. Whereas before they were, you know, one character who could switch between the two, now they're separate characters. I want that, that combo to be able to change at will between them. And in their final smash, they become the uh, the third form with the green hair. I forget the name because I just called her Pyra. <laughs> um, um, um. Yo, what, what, um, um. Oh, goodness, <laughs> I can't think of the name. It wasn't Logos, because Logos was, uh, yeah, Logos was um, Malos, wasn't it? Or yeah, the other one? Yeah, yeah it, was, it was Malos. Yeah. Oh. All I know is the game actually goes to you. When she's in this form, what would you rather call her? Pyra or Mifra? So I just called her Pyra. She could be the final smash. I can see that happening. Um, I, I think that would actually be a good idea because... I'm one of the people that didn't understand the need to to make Zelda and Sheik two separate characters. Like I, I didn't understand mm-hmm. that they could have kept it where it was a transformation and kept a character slot open. But if they do Mithra and Pyra, I think that would be good because I would like to see Mithra Pyra as one character along with Rex as his own character, you know, to to go up against Shulk. And then if we're gonna have Power and Mithra in there, I would like to see Shulk get. You know, uh, Fiona 
as yes. another character. Yeah. Although I will say, yeah, with Smash, I'm, I hope there's another round of Amiibo this time. I'm preferring to be cards because, you know, to have Smash cards, I think will feel better, especially since when the Nintendo 64 game came out, there were actually like promotional trading cards that killed yeah. the game with the characters. I would like Amiibo versions of those for Smash. But, you know, if Bayonetta is in the game in her third form, how cool would it be if her amiibo for the game could be used with Bayonetta 2 to, to unlock the costume of for the third game so the players can play as Bayonetta 3 in Bayonetta 2 whilst waiting for the third game to come out? That would be incredible. That is something I'm hoping for. Yeah, that, I would definitely be looking forward to something like that. That would be I mean, anyone who didn't buy Bayonetta 2 would literally, for the Switch would literally go, hang on. I can play her third co- game costume. <laughs> I'm buying it now. Where's my wallet? Honey, have you seen my credit card? I need it. <laughs> also, I need to buy an Amiibo. <laughs> so so what are your thoughts that we could possibly see, like, Sora from Kingdom Hearts in Smash? That would be a, a draw for a lot of people. I Sora is a character who would bring in a lot of appeal to Smash. You know, this... Smash is literally going to be Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, you know. It's yeah. going to have everything thrown into it. And like a lot of, lot of people have been saying, you know, Emily Rogers, I think he's one who said, you know, there are no cuts. It's just going to be a full-on roster, more content, more power, more this, more that. And it is going to be just... It's the t- tidal wave that people wait in Australia for 50 years for, you know. And once in a lifetime occurrence for most people, it's oh, just going to come in and knock us down. Yeah, because I, I can see that that would make it on such a high level for, like, if Nintendo, because it's, I, I think they could do it. I mean, they've already brought in Cloud. He played phenomenally, and why not? Like, why not milk it and make that extra money? You could have him in his Kingdom Hearts classic, with his alternate being either Kingdom Hearts two or Dream Drop Distance form, or even yeah. even tease his um his form from um three. And I would say to be yeah. smart, make Riku an unlockable character. Yeah, well, I, for Smash, there are characters I'd like, but there are lots of assist trophies that I would love to see added to this game. One of them being Guardian from Breath of the Wild. Just to have all of a sudden, there you are thinking everything's fine, it's dandy, and the guy next to you has grabbed the assist trophy, and out comes this giant Guardian, and it just blasts everything. <laughs> <laughs> I can definitely uh, see that happen. I'd also like a Glidon from Super Mario Odyssey to mm-hmm. be this trophy. He just swoops in, grabs hold of someone, and flies off. If they have a low amount of damage, they can come back. But if they have a high damage asset, they're gone forever. He's just dragging you off. <laughs> and that- Another one that I think would be really fun to have as an assist trophy is the Dark Lord from Metopia. Mm-hmm. Just for the sake of having it, because being me, he could literally have any face at any time, so yeah, it's always changing. I just think it'd be hilarious if the Dark Lord was uh, yeah, an assist trophy. But there are a few Zelda ones I want, other than the guy, Obosa. 
with her lightning fury attack, could you imagine as an assist strike comes in, snaps her fingers, everyone gets fried. That would be cool. I actually, I, yeah, I, I would, I would like to see that. Another one would be uh, Wolf Link, because like in Breath of the Wild, he can scavenge items for you and you know food and attack. Mm-hmm. But what if he did that in Smash as well? He'll run along, grab hold of the items on a map, bring them to you, and then just r- wolf attack everybody. <laughs> <laughs> we he had Midna riding on top of him, making like <laughs> witty banter. Like, yeah, I can definitely see that. I think that would be cool. Yeah. What are your thoughts on um, that, the possibility of if they add Adol from Ease to Switch to Smash? That 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 would be incredible to have here because it will settle an argument people have had for a very long, long time. Who would win a fight, Adol or Link? There's only one way to find out: Solid and Smash. <laughs> I, it is so funny. Like I have a lot of people that don't think that that question has ever been asked. I'm like, these two franchises are the same age, you know. And it's like that has been a longstanding question: Adol Christian or Link, who the hero of time, <laughs> or you know, the flame and red warrior or the dragon warrior. Like, who who would win? And I, I remember these talks like from the '90s. I remember them in the 2000s. And I remember them a couple years ago when they brought out, was it, uh, Memories of Celsepta to the Vita. Like, people were asking this question. And it's, I think it's because Nintendo fans have not really been exposed to ease, even though it's, I think it started on the NES PC engine. But I don't think a lot of people have been exposed to it. So, Ease 8 is actually going to be a lot of people's introduction to him, I think. Given the popularity of Switch, Yeast 8 could be a true game changer purely because Yeast is a heavily underappreciated series of games that is just has many, many great games. It's really hard to pick one game above another because a lot of them are just so, so good. Yep. And Yeast 8 is going to be an introductory game for a lot of people. Yeah. I'm, so I'm... Edelbin Smash would be perfection. But there are, I've, after putting a lot of thought in it, there are a lot of stages I want it. And I, actually, I'd like to talk to you about some of this. What stages would you like to see in Smash? I've got a list. We could take it in turns. Oh. Um, New we, Dog City is the given anyway. We, we come on. Let's, let's just get that one out of the way. We both know we're going to say it at some point. New Dog City. New Dog City would be good. Um, I would like to see. Um, a fight in one of the in one of the uh, um, man, one of the the uh, the the guardian beasts from. I know I'm saying it wrong, but from uh, Breath of the Wild. Yes. I can't think. Of, I can't think of the name of them. It's not guardians. Divine beasts. Divine beasts. Is that what yes. you think? I would like to see a fight like that being like one of the levels of Divine Beast, or we could even have um, Calamity Ganon's castle. I would yeah. love to see that. Um, what else could we throw in there? Here's a couple: Luncheon Kingdom. 
Nintendo put a huge amount of promotion on that one at E3. It's bright, it's colourful, there's a lot going on. You have the the cooking. It'll be a perfect stage of Smash. For Splatoon, Sturgeon Shipyard, that one just screams perfection. For uh, a bit of Pokemon representation... Altar of the Sun slash Altar of the Moon, which will have two versions. If you're playing in the daytime, it's Altar of the Sun. If you're playing at nighttime, it's Altar of the Moon. Castle Town Bruins from Breath of the Wild. Spring Stadium from Arms. Ultra Megalopolis from the Ultra Games, because that has this whole vibrant space being perfect place to meet Master Hand. We would definitely need some characters from Arms in the Smash. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> Riven Girl and Springman seem the most likely. I know a lot of people want Twintail and Kid Cobra, but Riven Girl and Springman do seem most likely. Yeah. But I'll tell you one level that would be fa- absolutely fantastic for Smash the Lefarian Archipelago from Xenoblade Chronicles 2. You know, the islands. Ooh, that would. That would be. You could literally. You could literally go from one island, and it's like like the uh, the Delfino one, isn't it? In Smash, where you start up in the sky and you go down into the streets, and you have something like that, just different islands. It'd be nice. I, I can uh, also see, um, you know, I, I think it's chapter is it chapter seven or chapter eight where you fall into the sky cloud and then the city beneath in Xenoblade Chronicles. Uh, that, that would be good. I, I think that's eight. I think that's eight. Yeah. But yeah, uh, yeah, that would be a good place. But the Xenoblade is a lot of good places. I mean, <laughs> even Lash, Lasham Island on Gourmont would be good. Have the city in the background, be on this great big island. Oh, that would be good. Xenoblade is a lot of good places. Even if characters don't make it to the games, levels should because... You have plenty to choose from. Yep. Um, what do you think of like some levels from Zoneblade Chronicles X, or even Tokyo Mirage Sessions? I would just rather report Tokyo Mirage Sessions to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> Given the fact a new Fire Emblem game is coming to Switch and um, Shin Megami Tensei is coming to Switch, why not? Since we're waiting, put the game that fuses the two of them together. Exactly. It's crazy. Exactly. You could literally, you could literally put this game out there and have, make people hooked on two different franchises. Just do it. Give us yeah. that port. It may not be the port you want to give us, but it's the one we deserve. Right. And I feel like when that game came out in 2016, I don't feel like anyone was really playing that. Like it, it's there, and, and we we can actually also jump into this topic, like about. The, the ports from the Wii U, or, you know, we can hit that either later on or we can go into it now. I really think that a lot of people don't understand that these games that came out on the Wii U from Nintendo, they put a lot of heart and soul into it, and they were great games. They just didn't have the audience to... Yeah. They, just, they didn't have the audience there to appreciate them. The audience that was there were really there for Zelda because a lot of people actually brought the Wii U for Zelda Wii U. That, that was the whole reason why a lot of people brought the game. The and whole trailer. Rather than build it. Yeah. So 
Yeah, it was a console that didn't really have that much of an audience for gamers because it was a very, very selective audience on it already. And the games that did perform well, they just got by on luck. They happened to appeal to more people and scale for it. It's like everyone thought Splatoon was going to be a failure purely because the the Wii U wasn't a hit, yet somehow it managed to grab hold of an audience that was desperate for shooters because it's a Nintendo platform and we don't normally have shooters. But all of a sudden, oh, my God, we got Splatoon, and that's just become a huge hit over the years. But the Wii U, its biggest problem was you know, the lack of an audience. Those who didn't get a game, the console day one, didn't really want it at all. And they were just waiting for what came next or sticking with Switch. You know, it's like people with uh, Tokyo Mirage Sessions was, well, do I buy it for my Wii U or do I buy the new Shin Megami Tensei game on 3DS or the new Fire Emblem game on 3DS? Why have a crossover when I can have the real thing? Exactly. A lot of reports on Wii U, you know, they were utterly fantastic games. Nintendo are well in their right to release them. It's like Hyrule Warriors Definitive Edition. Everyone moans it's $60 or euros. But the thing is, Legends on the 3DS is $40. For the Season Pass, it's $15. That together is $55. For the sake of $5 more, you're getting the full experience with Breath of the Wild costumes in HD. Uh-huh. So... It's not actually expensive. If anything, it's a bargain. And, you know, some of the the ports Nintendo have done have absolutely right. Some of them, not so much, like Pokken Tournament DX. I I like the game. I really do. But I'm not, I'm still not happy about the paid DLC for it. Yeah. Here it is marketed as the deluxe edition. And you will pay to have more characters when the arcade version pretty much had all this stuff anyway. Yes. Yeah. It was edition. It was marketed. It is now, and it would be if you would come with the DLC straight away, but so there have been some hit and misses with the games. But, yeah, it's like Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. Huge hit. Outselling Breath of the Wild. <laughs> And that, even then, that all that one's got is an extra battle mode for two vehicles with inkling characters. There's not that much to it, but it was enough to make it appeal to those who already had the game and those who didn't. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, you know, I agree with you. Like, the Pokemon tournament, I have it. I played it. And then when I noticed that you could actually pay for more stuff in it, I was like, I don't understand the point of this. Because the other Defendive Edition games that they're coming out, the re-releases, have everything in them. So it's yeah. like, you know, that was that was a that was a big miss. It was like, um, as far as the ports go in 2017, yeah. So as far as the games in 2017 went, as far as Switch, uh. Mario Kart 8 Deluxe is like the only one that's not got DLC. Breath of the Wild has an expansion pass. Splatoon gets free content. Arms gets free content. Mario Odyssey gets free costumes and the Blue World DLC. Fire Emblem had DLC. It's odd Mario Kart hasn't had DLC. And a part of me is hoping that just one day Nintendo will turn around and just drop the bombers. Because when it comes to Mario Kart, you only get one irritation or installment 
every console. So I'm like hoping a couple of years, maybe they come out that there's going to do an update. It's $20 and it's going to give you this and this. And when the update drops, it makes Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, Mario Kart 9. It's like, wait, what? You, you right. just upgrade the game with us? That's awesome. And I'm really to pay $20? Oh my God, I love you, Nintendo. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I know a lot of people said the game is perfect, but since we have eight deluxe, you know, you can't really have a Mario Kart 9 on the Switch. You have to have it on another console because it's only one. With Mario Kart, it's one game per console. Yeah. So just give us an update. Just just give us an update and make it Mario Kart 9. <laughs> <laughs> but no, uh, with the, to get back to the polls, I think they're a necessity for Switch because, you know, a lot of people haven't played them. They are expanding them in a lot of ways, like Captain Toad is now having Odyssey levels, which is genius. That game, is that game was phenomenal, and no one played it. <laughs> my, bro- my brother absolutely loves that game. Second he heard Odyssey levels involved, he went, I'm getting it. No, no, no issues. And he even sold his Wii U version, and the money he's got from that, he's put aside for the Switch version. So he's already <laughs> got the money in place. He, he's dedicated to it, you know. But it's a great game. A lot of them were just fantastic titles that didn't get the attention they deserve. So the fact they can do it now on Switch, which has a bigger audience, an audience that is more open to these different games of different genres, you know, it's important to have them on Switch because... Yeah, for some reason, a lot of people complain that Nintendo don't have a game out every month. Some even say they should have four out each month. What the hell is wrong with you? Do you not have any idea how long it takes to make these games? Nintendo can't do that. But at least with the pools, they can have a game per month ratio to ensure there is something for everyone. Yeah. And, you know... Since I have a major addiction to Hyrule Warriors, I'm not going to complain that port came out. Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze is like one of the greatest platformers ever and a masterpiece by Retro, yeah, which is by Retro Studios. The Bayonetta games, absolutely phenomenal. Not a lot of people know the series. So, what better way to advertise Bayonetta 3 than by 1 2 being out on the market? You know, give Switch Overs the chance to try it out for themselves. I'm like, oh, I do like this. Yeah. Ben, they're free. Yeah. I'm listening. It's <laughs> a lot of ports. They seem to play a role in a bigger picture, and I think that they're, they're important. The, they put the port in important. The switch needs them. Whether people want them or not, they help expand the library. They give Nintendo a bit of breathing space to perfect the games they're working on. So when we get them, we can just enjoy Yeah, that's why when I hear people say, oh, well, this port shouldn't be $59.99 or whatever. You could just go and buy it on the previous one. I ask people, did you? And they're like, well, no. Okay, so if you didn't buy it, you didn't play the game on the old console, you didn't buy the old console, why are you... Like, why complain about it coming out now? Because they have, a, they have an audience that they didn't have with the Wii U. See, that's that's the one thing I do understand with Tropical Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze. I do agree with people the price was a bit, oh, excuse me, princess. I mean, <laughs> as available as a Nintendo Select title for $20 and 25 euros, 
we're not used to seeing this game that in recent years has been available for this low price and then Nintendo again, yeah, you want it? It's going to be 60. But hey, it's okay. Funky mode is included. <laughs> to me, it feels like a wasted opportunity. I mean, Nintendo could have literally decided then and there, we're going to do a Nintendo Selects range on Switch. Except the Nintendo Selects titles are going to be the ports. You know, so Donkey Kong it's, it won't be out for 25, 30 because that wouldn't work. But it could have been at 45. You know, because Switch cards are more expensive and have like yeah, Nintendo Switch yeah. range at 40, 45 as opposed to 60. Because, you know, for the full game. And it's that way, it's like, well, it's not that much more than what the game came out at its original price. I'm still getting new content. And, you know, having already been something of a seller in the last system, there is definitely going to be an audience that's going to buy it. Donkey Kong should have been a Nintendo Select title for Switch upon launch. That, yeah. It was a wasted opportunity. And the fact that it came out so close in the time frame of, because I, if I recall correctly, I, I believe it was supposed to have come out in, uh, was it March or April? But then it came out a few, it got delayed, and then it came out within weeks of Hyrule Warriors. And I was like, uh, that's, that's kind of close. It's, it's, it's kind of like what they did was... with, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Donkey Kong was actually always meant for May. It was said May. <laughs> but it, it does seem as if they put out Kirby and they gave everyone a huge amount of breathing space before Labo came out. And then after, now that we got Labo, it's release, release, release. Because we had Labo. Two weeks later, it's Donkey Kong. Two weeks later, it's Hyrule Warriors. Two weeks later, it's Sushi Striker. <laughs> Two weeks after that, Mario Aces. It's like, wow, Nintendo, do you want us to actually play these games? I mean, two weeks is not enough to play Hyrule Warriors. No one can play that in two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's like, I, I, the way I'm thinking about it, I'm like, this is kind of like the situation with uh, Fire Emblem Warriors, where I feel like Nintendo purposely undercut that game by releasing it a week before Odyssey, and I have no idea why they did that. That should have been its own month, and Odyssey should have been November. That was so bad, but it it was terrible what they did to Fire Emblem Warriors. They literally did not get a chance. But the thing is, in Japan, it released in September. At least in Japan, it had a chance. In the West, it had no chance. It was literally like... We like you. Fire Emblem Heroes is making so much money, but yeah, Mario's going to thrash you. Go on, go outside and play. The cool kids will be out of there. Try to make as many friends as you can before everyone forgets you exist. And the, 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 the shameful for the... I liked Fire Emblem uh, Warriors. I really do like it. I've, I've put 100 hours into that game. I have only put like 15 to 20 hours in Odyssey. It's bizarre that I've only put that little amount of time in it, but it's, it's been very busy. I've got like 400 power moons. I've been, but I've only done 20 hours in Odyssey, which is ironic because everyone's like, ooh, Kirby's such a terrible game in 60 hours when it's like 15 hours to complete it. Well, I'd be. Odyssey, and I'm like halfway through in 15 hours. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you can't put Kirby down. And if you look at Kirby, with all the uh, characters you can play, as you can at least get another 30 hours out of it. Yeah. 
So uh, I want uh, I want to ask you, um, you know, about the initial reaction of people to Pokemon Quest. Uh, th- there was some serious anger. Uh, people were. I-, I watched Twitter lose their mind. Like, but you know, however, that changed when people realized that that was a free game to download, and then Nintendo did the reveal of uh, Pokemon Let's Go. You know, Pikachu and Eevee. Like, what are your thoughts on this being a re? Pokemon Yellow. Well, uh, before we start with the Let's Go games, let's, let's start with Quest. The ironic thing about Quest was in a group chat, she said to her, uh, some friends of mine, how ironic or funny would it be if Nintendo just dropped a po- uh, Pokemon Switch on us? You know, like, the, the, no reveals, no trainers, no press codes. They just put a game out on the console. And it's like, enjoy Make your own opinions on it. That's all that matters. And then it's literally a case of, oh, by the way, guys, a press event is happening. We have a game. It's coming. It's called Pokemon Quest. It's going to be free to da- for free to play, free to download, and you can get it today on your Switch once this presentation is over. It's like, wow. They, they literally did just drop a game on the Switch <laughs> on this day, like hours after I said about it. It's like, okay. And the thing is... When I saw it, I was like, really cubes. I'm not that much of a fan of Foxel design. I'm not that big a fan of Minecraft. But I am a fan of Rumble, so I was already downloaded it. (laughs) (laughs) And I put like an hour or two in it straight away. And you got to bear in mind when the the press event happened in Europe, it was, it started at 3 a.m. It finished at like 4 a.m., which is uh, 4 a.m. or 4.30 a.m. I started playing it at 4.30. I didn't stop till 6.30 in the morning. <laughs> and, I, and I've been constantly playing it since. Yeah, it is simple. It is basic in a lot of ways. And it can be very intense when it comes to grinding because you've got so much grinding, it's untrue. Mm-hmm. But, you know, this game is not meant to be played in long-hour sessions. It's supposed to be five minutes here, ten minutes there for over a course of weeks and months and it can be very addictive and very enjoyable and i do happen to like it but there are some issues but this game could be you know expanded upon in the coming weeks because it has been discovered in the code there are placeholders for all 808 pokemon oh so you know more could be added to the game and the iron the the thing with that is there are only 807 confirmed. So the, the mysterious one, the special one, which is the debut in Pokemon Let's Go, has it has a place already in Quest as well. So this Pokemon could be making the rounds if they wanted to. But yeah, it you know, so this game, a lot of people are writing it off because oh it's it, it's free to play. It's it's not on mobile yet. I think it'll prefer the mobile version. And you know, just general stuff like that. But this game could become a lot bigger than anyone realizes it to be. Mm-hmm. Purely because they can add more content to it. But yeah. I, yeah. my god, Pokemon Let's Go. I just want to know if Pikachu can surf. If Pikachu can surf, all is good with me. If he can't, then what the hell did were they thinking? How can you remove that factor from Pokemon Yellow in this remake? 
I don't care if the Pikachu has to be standing on me while I'm body surfing just so he can surf. I want that Pikachu surfing. Give me what I want, Nintendo. <laughs> that it does have me in uh, two minds. I, I think it does look good. Um, it could be better, you know, graphically speaking, but it is an improved version of um, the Ultra games. It's a remake of a game that is celebrating its 20th anniversary this year. It's a game a lot of us started off with. It's 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 taken what was an iconic game and given it a modern interpretation. Although mm-hmm. I'm the Pokemon Go aspect to it, it it's a bit off-putting to me. Not because of the capture mechanics, but purely because of the connectivity to Pokemon Go. I mean I've had three accounts, and they've all been suspended with Pokemon Go. So I'm a bit like, ah, I'm not going to get the full experience. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I will admit that my first account was was rightful to be uh, suspended because when Pokemon Go came out, there was all these articles about these and news that you could use this service and this service and that service to cheat and do it. So I created an account that I could cheat with. Mm-hmm. to test out these things and, you know, to do an article on them. And the, the account was suspended, you know, too right it was. I was cheating on this again. But then your other two accounts get suspended. And even one that I made recently got suspended. It's like, do you not want me playing this game? I would happily put money into you. <laughs> oh, how? <laughs> Uh, so it's like, uh, if, well, some people have a no-fly list. Clearly, I have a no-Pokemon Go list. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, um, that, that's the thing with Pokemon Let's Go. It is essentially an RPG version of Pokemon Go that you can switch. Yes. It is. It's Pokemon Go on the Switch. And like with Pokemon Go, it's starting with Gen 1, but... Is it a case of it starts with Gen 1 and more Pokemon can be added to it later on? Like in the post-game, six months down the line, the game has made 10 million sales. It's, you know what? Pokemon Switch ain't going to be out for another six months. Let's get some DLC out on it. Let's give them another region. Let's give them Gen 2 Pokemon because, you know, the mobile version can have Gen 2 Pokemon drop when they want and free. Why not with the, this game? Nintendo are pro DLC at the moment. So... They could always add more Pokemon later on. But I want to know if there's tie-in events. I mean, yes, there are Pokemon in the real world. We'll be able to see them. But when Pokemon Go is having an event where fire types are more common, if we go to an area with fire types where the rarer ones appear more often, just for like a weekly period, you know, if you're going to do this Pokemon Go thing on us, put more emphasis on that connection. Yeah, Give us events that work both ways and not just from the mobile game. Mm-hmm. That's what I'd like to see. Oh, and I really want Professor Oak to acknowledge that Jigglypuff is a fairy type because since fairy type has been introduced, we have never had a been revisited to you know a gen Kanto and have fairy type acknowledged as a type. So it'd be interesting to see if this great Pokemon professor goes, Oh, I made a mistake. There's fairy types. Let me just add that you. <laughs> For 20 years, I've been ignorant of the fact we have fairy-type Pokemon. <laughs> oh, man. I, I have to say this one thing about uh, the Pokemon Let's Go. I'm, um, I have tried for 20 years to get into uh, Pokemon. I have 
you know, when I was younger, I didn't have a Game Boy, so I wasn't able to get into it. I didn't know anyone in my area that actually cared about the card game. But the only thing I was able to get into was a cartoon, and then they switched stations, and we didn't have cable, so I couldn't watch it anymore. So um, every time as I've gotten older, I've tried, and I've just felt like the barrier of entry was so daunting because there's, like like you said, it's 800 and some odd Pokemon now. But when I saw that trailer, I was like, hey, this looks good. I feel like I could actually get into it. And I think that's kind of one of the things about the game is they're you know when you look at like pokemon go and whatnot it's to bring casuals in as well as to somewhat cater to the the older generation and um i'm like man this could this could be the game to get me into pokemon and i'm willing to give it a try i know i i said on twitter that same day that i don't give a crap about smash or pokemon i saw that trailer hey i i'll I'll admit (laughs) it i ate some crow I ate some real crow. I'm actually wearing a Pokemon trainer shirt right now. So, you know what? The hypocrisy was real. <laughs> There's, um, I, no, I, I get what you mean. I mean, that trailer, it was something else. And the fact you can co-op, that's going to make it more interesting. But yeah, there is one thing that I, I, without a doubt, I want to see in this game. And that's a better representation of the Pokemon themselves. I mean, for me, I've got two favorite games. Pokemon Snap and Detective Pikachu. And it's purely because in these both of these games, Pokemon have a personality. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not just a creature you entrap in a ball and then force to fight to doing your will and or, or perform on a stage. You know, they're living, breathing creatures that are part of this world around us. They have a personality, they have mannerisms, they have preferences. So for me, in a lot of ways, in Pokemon Let's Go, I want to see this personality to, to these Pokemon. You know, like in the anime, the the films and the series, I want a better representation and appreciation to the Pokemon themselves, as opposed to just something you mindlessly use in battle. Otherwise, it's just Animal Cruelty. Here is like the, the most popular franchise <laughs> since like for the nineties generation, and it's all about Animal Cruelty. So for me, I just want to see Pokemon represented there. I want to see the personality to them like you did in the series, the anime in Detective Pikachu. That's that's what I want. As long as as long as it has it, I will take anything they throw at me. I think there's a good opportunity for them to to showcase that because I think it should happen. Because um, that was one of the things, like, I, I played the demo for Detective Pikachu, and I was like, man, I, I really like this character. I want to see more like this. And I feel like that was kind of an experiment for them to see if people would be for it, in a way. See, because that's, that's what I actually liked most about Detective Pikachu, you know. It's not just he's, uh, you know, Detective Pikachu's personality. You see other Pokemon having funny little mannerisms. And it's it's great because you actually see them more as animals as opposed to just something you use to fight for you. There's a better relationship with them. Because in, like, in the, the core games, like Gen 7s and all that, lot, it's a case of, wow, this is my six, this is my team, I'm going to love my team. I'm going to, oh, my God, I just caught a Slandit. I'm going to evolve you into a Slazzle. Right, which one of you I want to get rid of? You're gone. You're gone. You're gone. Right, this gym doesn't. It's only weak to grass type, so everyone who's not a grass type, you're gone. Just 
Yeah! <laughs> I mean, it's just because Ash does it in the, in the TV series, gets rid of every Pokemon every time he goes to a new region, except for Pikachu. It, it doesn't mean it's the right. <laughs> you, you, a lot of people in the series, like, you gotta love your Pokemon and do this. Yeah, you make a life with them. Give us that in a game, for God's sakes. And give us it in a game. Like, so, so what are your thoughts on, like, the Pokemon... The the Pokeball Plus, like the fact that how they showed that in the trailer, like I I think that's something we've all kind of wanted for twenty something years. It is, you know, it is. If, if if we if you told us twenty years ago that one day we'd play a Pokemon game with Pokeball that like we could like throw and stuff like that to count. We were in like, no way, man. Oh my God, that is my dream right there. That is, that is um, we've had to go full well. It's going to be the people who are playing Pokemon 20 years ago who are going to be buying these things the most. But I would have those, but will they be customizable? I mean, just because you make them all come out in the default one, can we get like little things on them to make them a master bottle and a great ball? Give us all of that. Or are they actually going to later on release a range of um, balls which have a better chance of catching Pokemon? I see you want the normal Pokeball Plus, but if you buy the Ultra Pokeball Plus, <laughs> you have a better chance of catching them for $10 more. Everyone will buy the bus. Oh. Everyone would literally buy the basketball version. Ah, that's going to be one of the worst things in this game, though. Because if you saw in the trailer of like Mewtwo, where it's like all tough and foreboding, there's no wild battles anymore. So is it literally going to be a case of you go into the bonus? Oh, I, I, I throw Pokemon balls at you. Okay. Bro. <laughs> Bro. Bro. <laughs> right, basketball, I want you. Please don't miss. If you think about it, I mean, given Nintendo's track record with making uh, accessories for their consoles and their games, I wouldn't put it past them to make a, a Master Ball, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, but could you imagine if you use the Master Ball, you throw it, you miss, and you only <laughs> have one. Did, did that just really... Miss but hey, there, there is one thing we got to think about. If this is a Pokemon Yellow, is Mew actually going to be under the truck this time? <laughs> True. True. Is Mew going to be under the truck? Oh, man. <laughs> I'm um... actually going to have to tweet that one now. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, I, I gotta ask you, um, cause I know we, we were actually talking about this er, earlier, but uh, before we did the podcast, but I kind of want to know, like, do you think that we might see a new Animal Crossing game at E3 that could have similar features to Pokemon Let's Go, or that could tie into like the phone app? See, I, I definitely think. Animal Crossing, it's been one of those games that there have been very few rumors about. And when there are and what, what there has been said is there is a game coming. And mm -hmm. even the app even the app itself has acknowledged that it will have connectivity to a future game. There's been an Animal Crossing trademark. <laughs> there's there's a whole lot going on. Yeah. It and and Animal Crossing, let's be fair, 
it's a, it will sell systems. It has a huge audience now. People, the series fans, are desperate for a new instalment to in the main series. It is time for a new instalment. So to not have one on Switch is a ridiculous question. So clearly it's going to happen. It's just whether a case of will it happen this year or next year. I, I think it's going to be a case of that. It's literally it's this year or next year. If you're an Animal Crossing fan, you haven't got to wait too long because there's no, no there's no sense in doing it past 2019. Not when Nintendo want to sell con you know sell systems and get them playing other games in the meantime. So it, it's it's if it's not at E3 this year, then it's definitely got to be releasing next year because. Yeah. If it's at E3, it's out this year. If it's not at E3, we'll probably hear about it during the Tokyo, you know, the Tokyo show, and it's out next year. Because Nintendo doesn't really project out like the way Sony does. Like they don't project two, three years out. They, it's within a vicinity in a way. Well, to be fair, they they try to get gamed out. In a certain time, they literally have discussions like, right, this game should be out in three years. Let's try and get it out in three years. I mean, there have been instances where the game hasn't come out. I mean, Pikmin 4, everyone is waiting on Pikmin 4. It's been, it keeps coming up at E3. So it's, it's not a case of they, you know, they can't. It's, they, want, they don't want to talk about a game unless they know it's coming out. Uh-huh. They've said that themselves, you know. They don't want to get people excited and pumped up for something that might not be out for ages. It's like, if you told us last year at E3, Smash was coming, by now we would have died down a little bit, you know? We would have been, oh yeah, Smash is coming. Or every response to any Nintendo game releasing is, when Smash, when Smash, when Smash, you know, like with the, where's the Pokemon Direct? Where's the Pokemon Direct covered? It's just, if we were told last year, it it would have killed the game then. So there is a reason why Nintendo revealed games as and when they were doing. So uh, there is a method to their madness. They don't want to disappoint fans, and they want to be able to reveal things at the right time for the right amount of publicity. It's like with the uh, the Nintendo Direct in January. It was Mm -hmm. all heavily Mm -hmm. rumored there was going to be a direct. Yet Nintendo themselves never actually said there was going to be one. So while everyone was demanding the direct, they knew that there was demand for it. And they started teasing us. There was so much hype and tweets about Nintendo that they were getting this huge amount of publicity and promotion for something that they didn't even say was going to happen. (laughs) (laughs) Then they, did give us, then they did give us a direct, but they got a huge amount of publicity. And it was colossal. And it was like, again, with this month of Pokemon, because of rumours saying a direct would happen, and there was that whole thing with the direct where the previous one was taken off, so we should be due one soon. Everyone was going nuts about Pokemon. Almost every other tweet was Pokemon-related. And then, you know, so there was all that hype. And again, Nintendo and the Pokemon company did nothing to actually warrant it because they never said news was coming. And then when they did deliver news, it's just been a total, you know, everyone's talking. It's paid off. So Nintendo, they know how to publicize their efforts, even when they're not doing it. (laughs) They know how to take advantage as well. 
But no, I, I, I definitely think Animal Crossing is coming. There's no way it's not. You know, especially when it's supposed to tie in with the app and the app's already out. Mm-hmm. The, app's, the app will be one year old soon enough. It's just a case of months. It's half a year already. Very, very true. So uh, speaking of uh, other games that, that could be coming at E3, like, do you think that we'll get... Uh, you think there's a possibility that we could possibly be getting uh, Metroid Prime 4 or some gameplay footage and possibly even the rumored Fire Emblem Switch. Well, not rumored, but Fire Emblem. Right. I think Fire Emblem is definitely going to be at uh, E3 this year because both Fire Emblem and Yoshi are going to be at E3 purely for the fact that they have been both said to be out this year. Mm-hmm. They've been reiterated to be out this year, and there is no better chance to blow them out than you know to, at E3 to give them the proper attention they deserve and reveal them. Also, with Fire Emblem Heroes riding an extremely ever-increasing high, there's a lot of interest in the Fire Emblem. So the sooner they can get it out, the better, really, because there's an audience at the moment. While there's interest, when it starts to wane, that's when it gets too late. So to not have Fire Emblem at E3 would be a colossal mistake. But uh, I know it sounds crazy. I just want Zelda at E3. I know a lot of people are like, I want Animal Crossing, I want Star Fox, I want Punch-Out, I want Pikmin, I want this. I just keep going, I want Zelda. I'm sorry, I want Zelda. I mean, Breath of the Wild, yeah, we saw that at E3 2016. But we knew about Breath of the Wild since we saw it at E3 2013 yeah. <laughs> and even during yeah. Nintendo Act. So the actual last Zelda game to be revealed, you know, new Zelda was Triforce Heroes in 2015. And I yeah. know yeah. the teams were working on Breath of the Wild, but not the entire workforce was on that because Nintendo have separate teams as well when it comes to Zelda. Handheld team, mobile team. Did you know, with three years passing, the other team could have done something in the meantime. So just give us Zelda. Come on, give us a Zelda game. There's, <laughs> that, there's rumors of Link's Awakening. There's been a trademark filed for Triforce. So, you know, I don't care if it's literally a Link's Awakening remake that's a co-op game which serves as a sequel to Triforce Heroes 2, okay? I don't care if that's the game we get. Just give us something at E3. It, it feels like it's been way too long since a new Zelda game was revealed. Especially when you think about the fact that Breath of the Wild was in development since 2011. And since then, we've had A Link Between Worlds, Triforce Heroes, Ocar- uh, Majora's Mask, Hyrule Warriors, Hyrule Warriors Legends, Twilight Princess, Wind Waker HD. We've had so many Zelda games since 2011. It's weird not to have news of the next game. Or at yeah. least a name. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Um, so what are your thoughts on the uh, the possibility that they would be scrapping the Breath of the Wild engine? Like, I've heard a rumor that they would just, you know, that was kind of an experiment. They want to go back to a traditional formula. I kind of feel like Breath of the Wild just became the new standard that they need to build off of. Well, they... The problem with that is on a, a few things. One, they did say Breath of the Wild was meant to be a one-off. You know, mm-hmm. but, but they have said since Breath of the Wild, they want to change how they do things with Zelda going forwards and apply that to other games. There's also been 
from Anuma himself that the next Zelda game that the home console team are working on is a 2D game. But to me, it just seems crazy not to do one more game in the Breath of the Wild engine, purely for the fact they spent all the six years working on it. Mm-hmm. The game itself cost a hundred million to make. Well, why not make one more game of it? Even if it's like another Majora's Mask, you know, where it's reused the assets two years on. Why not? It makes you have created this masterpiece. Just, just use it one more time, please. You could literally do a prequel game taking place 10,000 years previously, you know, in the story where they talk about how Ganon was there then and the Divine Beast were used to stop it. Let's play that game. Let's see Hyrule in all its glory and that link of that time and the champions of that time successfully beating Ganon. It could even be a co-op game, you know, because that was St. Kelsen Numa said. He wanted to do a co-op game in the style of Breath of the Wild. And yet, if they're scrapping the engine, how are they going to do that co-op game? It's it's weird. Yeah, yeah. It's you know, and, and shout out to uh, NX Revolution chat. I know he 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 basically said that Anuma said that all Zelda games from now on will be open world. That's true. That's true. But there has been a rumor that floated around that that Breath of the Wild was kind of a one-off for them. They just wanted to see what they could do. Yeah. It's like, um, although Breath of the Wild is open world or open air, as they prefer to call it, it's not like we haven't seen some complete changes in previous Zelda games. It's like a link between worlds. The dungeons could literally be done in any order. Yeah, so there was an open aspect to it then, you know. It was like you could, in Breath of the Wild, you can go to any divine beast. You could sort of do it then. It was just more on a smaller scale. But basically, they have said they want to do this but they say that a lot i mean like nintendo literally said they want to do a breath of the wild co-op game they want to do (laughs) a breath of the wild prequel (laughs) (laughs) they're doing a 2d game they don't want to do another game in the breath of the wild please just make up your mind are you not nintendo do a Paper Zelda. Give me Paper Zelda, okay? I, I was recently playing Hyrule Warriors Definite Redemption, and there are cutscenes that are done in paper graphics, and make it look so beautiful. Yeah. Just give me Paper Zelda. If you want to do 2D, <laughs> 2D Paper Zelda, that on Switch would just be, ah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I know some people might literally go, hang on, I've gone from Breath of the Wild to paper? Well, it's just an Nintendo Labo creation. It's like... Why not? Although that would be interesting. Nintendo Labo's tied in with Super Mario Maker. If Super Mario Maker returns and there's a Labo kit to go with it, that would be awesome. It would be. It really would be. I can can see that happening. You could literally make the kingdom and then you use the Amiibo and it can scan in and then on the the Switch, you can play the level with the Amiibo character. Oh man, I, I know we're pressed for time because I know you got to go at. Uh, oh, no, no, no. I've, I've, it's nearly twelve, yeah, but we can put some more time because this this is fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I wanted to ask you so about this. Uh, th- there's been a lot of rumors floating around. Uh, nothing official from Nintendo yet, but the whole Star Fox Grand Prix rumor. It seems that the Star Fox fan base and 
I'm going to just say it, the so-called Star Fox fan base as well are split on this being a reality. So what are your thoughts and what, what's your take on it? My take on Star Fox Grand P is um, take a look at the Let's Go games. When they were rumored, again, the fan base was divided. There was those that liked the idea and those that just flat out hated it. Now, more since it was officially revealed and it, we've seen how it's implemented, we're more understanding and appreciative. I think it's going to be a similar case with Star Fox. When we actually, you know, should it be the real thing and, you know, it's, it's rumour, it's actually true because we, until it's actually officially confirmed, it's just a rumour, regardless of how true it may be. You know, when we actually see it for ourselves and how it's implemented, we'll get a better idea of it. It's like Mario Rabbids. To a lot of people, it sounded stupid. It was like, mm-hmm. really? You're going to give me this? And yet when we actually saw it, it just looked incredible. It's fun. It's awesome. And it's a great game to play. You know, This Star Fox game, because Grand Prix is a titular title, so even that, it's tentative. So you know, the Grand Prix could be ruled out. But I think it's actually going to be the game that it does take Star Fox in a new direction. It's going to be Retro's interpretation of what a Star Fox game could be. And people are just going to be impressed by how much it could be. I think this game, it won't do better than Mario Kart, but it will put a lot of uh, split a lot of the Mario Kart fans as they will be more attracted to this kind of gameplay compared to others. Yeah. I mean, if you look at, like, the Star Fox as a whole, like, they've taken chances with that series multiple times. Like, it's, it's nothing new. And, and when I see the outrage from a lot of people, they're saying, oh, well, I don't like them doing this differently. They need a traditional Star Fox. I'm like, well, if you played Zero and if you could really acclimate to the controls, which really weren't that bad, you had a traditional Star Fox game. But I think... yeah. It's, we're, we're in such an outrage culture right now that they it's just the norm to be angry about anything. <laughs> yes, it's like uh, Star Fox Zero was bad, yet when everyone got to play Star Fox 2 on the SNES, it was like, oh my god, it's so good. Well, if that's the case, why don't you just remaster Star Fox 2 in the graphics of Zero? Just, just give that a try and see if people like it. <laughs> Yeah, but no, I think what what Retro's doing could be the make or break to Star Fox because we have seen many different interpretations because we've got Star Fox Zero and then we've got Star Fox Guard as well, if you remember. Mm-hmm. And that was like, really? Okay, apparently this is a game. <laughs> but yeah, so I think at the end of the day, if Retro is involved and it is Star Fox, it's going to be good. Just look at what Retro did to Donkey Kong country you know yeah yeah they, they knocked it out of the park they were retro were involved with mario kart 7 you know so they've done a bit of racing games they've worked with mario characters for a long long time you know, nintendo characters in the form of samus and donkey kong they have an appreciation they have a good relationship with nintendo they're not going to mess it up yeah yeah I mean, and, and and that's 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 just the thing. I'm like, let's wait and see what they do with it, because as I, it is, like, I feel like Star Fox doesn't have as big of a fan base fan base as people really think it does. To to compare it to last year, I would say Odyssey is this. Uh, sorry, Smash is this year's Odyssey. 
The Let's Go games are this year's Breath of the Wild, and Star Fox is this year's, not the Mario Rabbids, Xenoblade Chronicles 2. Yeah. That I game guess, yeah. took us by surprise and it was just so good. It's it's brought back an interest in the Xenoblade series. It's made the series more popular. It's the return, the game that needed because you know Xenoblade. It's it's been all over the place. It's been Gears. It's been Saga. It went to Xenoblade X, but Xenoblade Two it brought it back home and the most literally this is what the Xenoblade can be and should be. And I think it's going to be the same with Star Fox. You know, this is what Star Fox could be. This is what it should be. And yeah. I, I think it's going to be this year's Xenoblade Chronicles. And given how much that game has improved since launch, you know, this game could be an absolutely phenomenal title. Mm-hmm. It could be one of the games that makes you need to have the Nintendo Switch Online subscription service because you're going to want to play it online. Yeah. Yeah, I can definitely see that. And you know, now that you brought up Xenoblade Chrono uh Xenoblade, um, there's uh Tsuya Takahashi said that he wants to do another bla- uh, another X and then uh do a Xenoblade three. And I think those talks he wants to do kind of like a erotic one or a central something like that. He wants to do a dark one that's open to all themes and able to uh, go down that road with them, yeah. So he wants and, to go like near. <laughs> yeah, but, but the, the thing is, I mean, if it happens, it happens. It's great. But at the moment, it is a case of that he's saying he wants to do. Doesn't necessarily mean it is what he's going to do or what he's allowed to do. But he has shown an interest in that, and it would be nice to see it realised. As a lot of people do like X. X was a good game. It deserves a port, and it what's more, it deserves a sequel. But the fact he's also said Xenoblade 3, it's like, of course you've got to do Xenoblade 3. 2 is a hit. It brought the series home. If you do not continue, that's there's something wrong with you. Yeah. I've had a lot of people tell me that, you know, and I, I, I think there needs to be, like, clarification of people. Like, I've seen YouTubers say that they hated X, but they played, they played 1, Xenoblade 1, then they played X, and they hated X. Because they were expecting X to be like more like one. Yeah, yeah. and I, I tell people I'm like, well, X is kind of like a love letter in a way to people who play Gears or people who play Saga. Like that's what that was. And yeah, you know, the, I was I forgot what you. There was a YouTuber that was uh, that did a live stream recently, and they were talking about how. They don't know why they did X because X doesn't tie into Blade. And then I was in the comment section. I'm like, technically, I'm like, well, that's not true. X X is very much tied into Blade, very pivotally. I'm like, you just need to play X and you need to beat two and you'll understand. And they're like, really? I was like, yeah, like you can't knock a game that you don't play. (laughs) Yeah. But no, it, it also the other thing is, it's like when it comes to Zeno in general, you have Zeno Gears, you have Zeno Saga, you have Zeno Blade. <laughs> so the fact to have X and be different to like one and two, it's understandable. But it, like you said, it does have ties to it. And if you've played them both, you'll see the connection more and more. But it's it, it's definitely it's it took a lot of people by surprise because it's so different. Yeah. But the thing is, it was intended to be different. They yeah. wanted it to be different, and they wanted to try something new. 
and Xenoblade Chronicles 2. They wanted to do something different with that, but different to what they'd just done. That's always so different to what they first done. So they brought the series home and tied it up, tied it together and made it better. Yeah. But that game just gets better and better. It really does. Pretty much every review for it ever written is there wrong because that game had so much more added to it, had so many improvements. <laughs> the, 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 that game, if it wasn't, uh, it, it's literally near in 10 out of 10 territory. If the, the rumored story DLC is true, Xenoblade Chronicles is a 10. <laughs> yeah, and it's, um, the funny thing is, I was actually supposed to have uh, Sky Bennett, um, the voice of Pirate Mithra on this podcast, but uh, she actually can't be on it because of NDAs. Yeah. And she's like, I have to wait until later. I was like, oh, okay. okay. Yeah, because um, because of the story, more of the DLC and all that, but the recordings, there's another period of time they're not allowed to talk about anything. It's because I know because I'm trying to interview the one who does Naya. Capturing. Oh, yeah. She's. Yeah. I got to talk about that. Why does everyone hate her voice actor? Because I loved it. I love Naya. I I like the Pyra character and the way her regrets have the relationship. But Naya is just great. The remarks all the time. Yeah. Dude, like that scene where she's like, Rex, I love you. And he's like, I love you too. I love you too. I love everybody. (laughs) Friend zone. Right there. Friend zone. Dude, the savagery there. I was like, I'm done. I'm done. I love that. She was my character. I love her in that game. I like it when her character's sitting down on like the corner. And it's the way she's rocking her legs backwards and forwards, just playfully. It's like, would it, would it kill you to sit still? And then when she does sit still, it's all right, move, move again. It's almost like when um, Poppy's third form is just dancing in the corner. You have to watch it. Yep. <laughs> I really like the characters in that game. It's 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 absolutely incredible. It's it's definitely one of the best RPG games I've played in a long time. Yeah, man. It it, it really that story, and and that that just shows the brilliance of Tetsuya Takahashi as as a writer and game designer because. His games, you get emotionally invested in the characters. And that's something that I think um, is kind of a, in a way, it's, it's kind of a rarity. It's become a rarity these days where you're that attached yeah. to the games where it's like, I, you know, it's kind of, shout out to my friend uh, Xander of Excess Gaming Podcast because he kind of spoke on this. Like, kind of like you go into a gaming depression once you beat it and you're like, oh, man, you know, like, I had such a, I was so connected to these characters, and then the game's over. Like, I want to know more. I yeah. want more with these characters. So. <laughs> yeah. And then we get that uh, new game plus, so it's like, yay, you get to do it all again. I get him, I call one eyed monster. <laughs> or or, or Shellhead. <laughs> oh, bastard. Oh, man. Uh, it's the emphasis of the character and the way that it's just animated her so well. You know what I would actually love to see? I would love to see them port the first one because I feel like there's so many people that didn't play one or played one and they just went into two and they love it. And like my wife, she never played one. I keep telling her like, 
I was like, you know, two spoils a lot of one. It's it, it does it does, and um, because you've mentioned one, I will actually admit to this: I have not played one. I played X. No, no, wait. I've <laughs> never played Xenoblade Chronicles Two. Was my first ever Xeno game because I've played X since. My brother has X, and I've seen him play it, but I never really played it myself. But playing to has made me want to play to and I literally look at my Wii U and I look at my Nintendo new 3DS it's like so which one do I get Xenoblade Chronicles 1 for because do I buy it for the 3DS do I buy the Wii game and play it on my Wii U because I have it plugged in anyways or do I wait and hope it gets ported <laughs> uh, I, I, it's in my head I have to play it it's just what console do I play it on do i wait do i wait to buy ah. <laughs> if you love the uh the the way that two is when you play one you're gonna fall in love with the characters from uh, there i don't feel like there's ever really a down point in one compared to like the down points in two but even the down points in two like they weren't that slow the one is just, yeah. you know, point. You're at this point. This major event happens. Cliffhanger. Then here we are at the next part of the story. Cliffhanger. Like, I got to a point when I was playing one, I'm like, my heart can't take all this. And I played the original <laughs> European version, like, back in 2011. I was able to, uh, one of my friends went to Europe, and then he gave me, a, he, he brought me a copy of it, and I was playing in, when I was living in Seattle. And I was telling people, I'm like, you got to play this game. They're like, what is that? I'm like, Xenoblade. They're like, well, is that out here? I'm like, no, import it, support it, bring it here. <laughs> Man. <sighs> yeah. I mean, the, the thing that I, I, I like to point out about Xenoblade Chronicles, that makes it such a good game, is even now, after like 140 hours, it, it's more than that, but after 140 hours, <laughs> Even though I still hate the combat, I continue to play it because I like the dialogue. I like the characters. I want to see the next cutscene. So I don't care how many enemies I got to slay in the combat system I just do not like. I'm going to keep playing that game regardless. Yeah, it's it's the, the, that story, man, that, that was... Oh, the, the character development, the story... Um, and it, like you said earlier, that game has had so many improvements since launch. And I think a lot of people who probably played it and, and put out a review, I don't think they've ever gone back and tried to play it again to see all the new improvements. Yeah. It runs it's a like, lot um, better. For, for me, when, when I reviewed it, I actually gave it a 9. I was, you know, Mike Tender 64 was one of those outlets that actually gave the game a 9 as opposed to 8. Mm-hmm. And for me, if I hadn't played Breath of the Wild or Super Mario Odyssey that year, Xenoblade Chronicles 2 would have been my game of the year because that's how good it was. But to have, because it keeps getting more to it, whenever I, ha- I manage to have a downtime and just able to you know, put some hours into this game, I'm playing it. I'm experiencing new stuff. And it's just so good. The game is so good. I mean, when I got mine, I got a digital copy because... It was given to me by Nintendo for review. Mm-hmm. I like the game so much, even though it was digital, I went out and brought the physical version and I, I play it physically now, you know, because I like that game that much. Yeah, it was 60 euros, but hey, 
for a game I happen to love and will happily keep on playing and can actually delete it off my car because I have no space, of course I'm going to have this <laughs> that's, that's one thing we got to talk about with the Switch, man. Like, a lot of these digital games, like, I need to get a – my 128, even my 256 gig card, like, I switched to 256 gig, and I've run out of space. Like, I feel like I need to go to that 400 gig S- micro SD card, but I don't even know if that's going to be enough, you know, with all these big games coming out down the road. I have a 200 gigabyte card and a 128 card, and they're not enough because at the moment I have 180 games on Switch. A lot of them don't even fit on my cards. I've had to delete them off or I've had to buy a physical version. It's just the hassle. And it's, <laughs> it's like, and it's great having all these games, but then sometimes it's like, oh my God, I have 180 games. Which one do I play? <laughs> I want to play Xenoblade, I want to play Zelda, but I've played enough of that already, so maybe I should play something else. And it's like, uh, bugger. Although one game I have recently played and recently enjoyed, which I really want to talk about quickly, Bloodstained, Curse of the Moon. Ooh. My God, that is so good. That is so good. I When I, when I saw the, the reveal, I got the press release about it. It's like, please, please be the Castlevania I'm wanting for be the return to Castlevania, the original games, you know, no yeah. cutscenes, no real explanations, the bosses just throw you in there, give you a story and just venture through the darkness with the killer soundtrack and that game, it delivered on all. I don't know why it's got the, some of the review scores, it's got like sevens and eights. That game for me was an instant nine. It was just yeah. so good. If it wasn't for the fact, it was like you can beat each mode in like 19 minutes, I would have given it a 10 because this game was so close to being exemplary in my standards that I, I just love it. The, 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 the soundtrack is killer. It's the Castlevania I've been waiting for, and it's got me so hyped for Ritual of the Night. Did you get to play that demo for Ritual of the Night? No, I haven't. I really wish I had now. Wait, wait, wait. Do you, you have a Mac or PC? I have Windows, so PC. Okay. Uh, I'll send you the files to play it. I have, I made a backup of my uh, my demo. I'll send it to you. Oh, oh, it, yeah. it, it is so good. <laughs> it is so good. <laughs> that's that's good. That's gonna be the same guy I do all day Sunday, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like. Sorry. For- Go, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say, sorry, guys. You won't see any news articles from me tomorrow. I'm going to be too busy playing in Tebo. <laughs> uh, yeah, man. Like, honestly, um, Bloodstained, uh, Curse, Curse of the Moon, that to me, like, when I saw the trailer for it and I got to play it, I'm like, this took me back to Castlevania as it was. Like, it was, it, it, it felt like it took. Dracula's Curse and made it better than it's ever been before, and you can tell exactly. That yeah, right. That that's the that's the how that hitting the nail on the head. Is you're so right. It's that game was it's fantastic. And I, every time I see someone a comment on Facebook, uh, Facebook or Twitter, should I get Bloodstained Curse of the Moon? I just immediately go yes, yes, <laughs> yes to all, yes, yes. Why haven't you got it yet? Yes. Oh. 
It's like it's like, I, and then I'll see reviews where people are like, "Oh, there's only five levels in the game," or you know, it's clear. That I think some people probably never even made it past the first couple levels. I'm like, there's way more than five levels. I think it's nine. There's that there is nine. There's eight worlds when you're in the first campaign, and when you're doing it in the second one, the uh, new game plus, instead of doing eight, you go from seven to nine. And that ninth one, have you have you done that with yourself? That was so good. With like the yeah. little shrines where you go to different places and then it's the final battle it's like, oh crap. <laughs> it's, it's about to go down. Right? Oh. The replayability of that game is insane. I love it. Yeah, I, I just like the fact though, if you when you do when they unlock the other mode, you know, ultimate, you have to play through the first game. On normal, and you have to kill the other characters. Don't recruit them; you kill them. <laughs> so yeah. And you have to beat the game like that to get the other mode. It's like, okay, I don't want friends. <laughs> <laughs> I only have one complaint about Earth the Moon. I didn't get my Belmont strut. I think that's weird about that. You know, you didn't. You didn't get your what? The Belmont strut. You know how Simon. Oh. <laughs> I, I I'm mad about that because I'm like that's the only thing that, that that's missing. I want to build my strut. To be fair, if they had that, they probably would have got sued. But have you noticed how like the soundtrack was a case of like Castlevania meets Mega Man? Oh, that was just yeah. <laughs> that was just incredible. It's like oh my god, this could this game get any more better? Yeah. Uh, when, when, as soon as I saw that, I knew I had to review it. And it was literally, this was being in May when I wasn't playing games. It was literally, I am having that game. <laughs> 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 to any of my reviewers who happen to want this game, I'm sorry, I am having it. I am, I am a Castlevania fan. I love them. I especially love the other games. I am having it. You, you, you're giving it to <laughs> <laughs> And then it's just, oh my god! But it, it's just a testament to um, Indie Create's ability because you know they've given us a spiritual successor to Mega Man in the, in the form of their Azure Striker games. Yeah. They brought back Blaster Master with Blaster Master Zero, and now they've given us a true to form Castlevania spiritual successor. It's just those guys are killing it. They, they, yeah. they are fantastic. They're the new Capcom in a way. Or technically, they're the old Capcom, which is oh, just yeah, as right, good. That's right. They're the old Capcom, you know, because they are. But no, they're, they're doing the old school games, and there's a reason why those games are classic, because you just couldn't beat the way they were done. Yeah. And isn't he creates taking what's been done before, adding new conventions like the chandelier, swinging the details on it, and just just knocking it out of the park. <laughs> And it was really weird for me because the last indie game, indie creates game I played before that was Gal Gun 2. So, so to go from that to, uh, you know, a modern game with modern graphics to retro and just falling in love with the, the retro side, ah, oh, it was it was perfection. That was it was so good. Oh man! All right, so um, <laughs> I, I I guess uh, we can wrap it up with the last question. <laughs> Um, so what are some of your E3 predictions? Uh, uh, 
Target review. Okay. Well, not the the go of what I just thinks in the car. I think Fire Emblem's gonna be there. Yoshi. I'm not gonna even bother saying Smash. It's we already know it's confirmed. I I think Sushi Striker might get shown off. I know it releases before E3 starts, but given the fact it releases immediately before E3 starts, I'm just, I'm thinking they're gonna have it E3 purely to promote the game because it's a case of here's all their games that are coming up later on this year, but here's one you can get today. Just get it today, you know. I think there's gonna be a bit of Sushi Striker promotion at E3. Mm-hmm. There's I think they're gonna reveal. Two games. I think there might be lower scale, but I think Saint like Animal Crossing could be shown off at E3. I'm hoping a WarioWare Switch game is revealed because yes. that that should have been the one-two Switch game we got as opposed to if, if they had just called it one-two WarioWare and got rid of the actors and replaced them with Wario's, much better. <laughs> <laughs> Now I'm I'm really hoping we see Punch Out and Warrior Wear at E3. I I think that'll be perfect for Switch. Oh man, I I you know I I would love another Warrior Land as well. Like if they could bring that over, or or just make a new one. I'd like a new Warrior Land. I'd like a new Paper Mario, a traditional Paper Mario Nintendo. I don't mind Color Splash. Yeah. I didn't mind Sticker Star. I, I wasn't one of the people that crapped on it. But I want a traditional Paper Mario like we had with Thousand Year Door. I, I want that. Mm. Um, I would yeah. love to see some return of some of your older IPs. Like I would love to see a new Star Tropics. Uh, I think that's a, a great series that you guys kind of have been sleeping on since, what, 94? <laughs> because you mentioned that, I would, given how Kirby's Star Allies was, I would really like it if The Legend of Starfleet was shown. A new title or just a remastered version of the original game was shown at E3. That would be interesting. Yeah. I would love yeah, to. Bring back a cl- that, that would just be, wait, what now? Oh, my God. Hell, yeah. Give me it. That would, I think that would... Be one of these surprise little games Nintendo could do with perform I mean, I know a lot of people were like Room with Mother Free or Earthbound, but <laughs> let's put that one to bed. Okay, let's, it might never happen, so let's just deal with it. But it would be interesting if mobile titles got shown off at E3, like Mario Kart Tour. It, 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 it literally go in January. Ooh, we're making a mobile Mario Kart Tour game, and then nothing since. Give us some news at E3, will ya? I, I think, you know, to, to, to touch on what you were saying about um, uh, 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 Mother 3, I think they would have a hard time bringing that to the West because there's so much controversial stuff in that that game. Yeah. You know, especially with the politically correct world we, we live in now, I think that would be way too controversial to come outside of Japan. <laughs> oh, actually, that was something I wanted to mention. Uh, they're doing a Monster Hunter film, yeah, with Mili Jokovic. Oh, God. It's a shame. They're doing, am I the only one that thinks it's a shame they're doing a Mili with her instead of Dino Crisis? She would have made a great Regina, even if it's like a, a film that's done as a sequel to the previous game, so it's like 20 years on. Mm-hmm. Mia Jokovic would make a fantastic Regina. 
So make it Daniel Crass's film, for God's sake. Even if you never make a game, give us a film. Please, Capcom, let it happen. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I, I mean, they should do that and bring back Onomusha as well. <laughs> that if if that uh, Daniel Crisis game was revealed for the Switch, like a port of one or two, that would be perfection right there. Because Capcom has big on bringing back their older games and just to go bring back Daniel Crisis, and there's going to be a Switch release. <sighs> oh, now, that was that was one of the questions I actually wanted to ask you. What were your thoughts on? Uh, Resident Evil Cloud, or Resident Evil 7 Cloud Edition. Uh, I, I'm, I'm very divided on that one. I mean, you can play the demo in English. It's nice that we have got some form of Resident Evil on Switch, but it does feel a bit like a bad way to go about. I guarantee that if you renew it, that your save file will remain intact because it could be deleted. It's like... Really? If you're going to give us Resident Evil, can you just give us the frigging games and we only have to pay for it once? It's, it's not good. Although, there is actually something that could be revealed at E3 that would be perfect, and that would be a Western release for Fantasy Star Online 2. It's been out in Japan for a few months now, so that ha- and you know when we've seen with previous games that have come to Switch, a few months is more than enough to localize it. If that game got ported, there is no better time to reveal it at E3. Fantasy Star Online 2, the Breath of the Wild Link, and Female Link. Yeah, totally going to play the hell out of that. If it wasn't for that fact, my Japanese is terrible. I would have downloaded and played it already. <laughs> Man, I, oh, this other game I'd love to see at E3 is uh, Skies of Arcadia. Like a remaster of that and a sequel. I would love mm-hmm. to see those. But it's probably not going to happen. But I'd love to see it. Capcom, I mean, not Capcom, uh, Sega. You know, you guys can bring out all these Sonic games. Please bring them out. I, because the, the one game that would be perfect for E3, and I am absolutely holding out for Castlevania. Uh, given the the respect and love Konami have for Nintendo at the moment and everyone else and the success of the series, which is getting its second season in July, I think, because it's out this summer. Yeah. How awesome would it be if Castlevania, a new game, was just revealed and the Switch was among the Nintendo release platforms? That would be pure heaven. That would provided, it lived up to, provided it lived up to the old game style as opposed to something that's new and horrible, but a Castlevania game similar to the series would be fantastic. Now, did you like Lords of Shadow? Right. Uh, Lords of Shadow I liked, and Mirrors of Fate I liked a little bit more. I wouldn't say they're great. I preferred the Castlevania 64 to both of them. But I wasn't completely turned off by it. Me too. Hi-fi. Me too. <laughs> <sighs> that player is Reinhardt with the whip. Just <laughs> my brother would always play as Carrie, but I'd be Reinhardt, and he was just so awesome. 
I, I never understood why people hated the Castlevania 64. Even the, the follow-up, uh, Legacy of Darkness. With the, with the Legacy of Darkness with the werewolf. Yeah, those games were good. Yeah. I I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm hoping should a Nintendo CP reveal that both Castlevania games are on it. Because, oh yeah. If we can't get any of the rare games, at least give us the Castlevania ones. Right. And I, I think um, given the direction that the Netflix original uh, show has gone in, and it was critically acclaimed, I think Konami, because, you know, I work, I'm not sure if you guys work with Konami a lot. Like, I, I, I talk to a lot of their staff because uh, I, I, I did the review for Metal Gear Survive, and they have plans. Like, there's some stuff that they have planned to release for the Switch. It's just that, you know, Following the Metal Gear Solid Five, they they're really trying to rebuild themselves off of that. Is that yeah. that? I feel like that hurt them so significantly. Yeah, it, it's 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 really bad. But you know, I think with the new Castlevania or whatever it is that they have in the works, I know they have a Contra in the works. I know there's a new Sui Coden in the works. Um, I think Konami could make a comeback, but I think people would need to get over the Kojima situation. They, they will need to get over that. But the thing is, with uh, Castlevania making a come, uh, Konami making a come, Castlevania is one of the best games that could help them with that, especially given how popular the series is. Yeah. And it, it's well, but it's a case of do they mimic the series and do a game you know, based on Dracula's Curse but remastered with, like, a graphic style similar to the or do they try to do something new? And it's going to be a hard one because either way, it has to be done just right to stand well enough on its own. But a, a true Castlevania could bring back Konami and just correct everything that went wrong for them. And even yeah. if it doesn't, I just... I don't know about you, but I literally cannot wait for the second series. That program is so brilliant. good. It's brilliant. I've watched it more than 80 times each episode. <laughs> yeah, my I'm wife and my... I too, we love it. When I'm doing my reviews, I even have it playing on the TV. So if I'm not watching it, I'm listening to it. I just really like the Trevor in it. I like the voice. I like the personality. I like the bar and bro. I hope you bleed through your arms. <laughs> I can oh, pee in a bucket and tell, tell him it's beer. Just, just the dialogue itself. Oh, that's such a good series. It really is. Um, oh, my, my only concern for the second one is how the hell am I going to watch that one like eight years times with twice as many episodes? It's going to be harder. <laughs> and that's like the one regret I do have with it. I'm glad we got more episodes, but considering the first one was four, I would have been happy to have literally had another four, yeah, have them break the second series up and go, right, the first four of season two, and then six months later, we'll give you the other four, because that way you can watch them six months later while we're working on the next series and have yeah, that out yeah. eight months afterwards. It would have been nice, so it's not as long as a but no, I'm I'm so ready for the second series to drop. I'm looking more forward to that than the Football World Cup. 
<laughs> oh man, we got one question in the chat uh, from Tyler Stevenson. He wants to know: Is there any word on Fallout Three Anniversary or Fallout uh, coming to the Switch? What are your thoughts? I'm not. I haven't heard uh, anything about Fallout Three Anniversary. I, I have from from the people I know. They haven't heard anything. They haven't heard anything. They're not ruling out the possibility because uh, it could work on the Switch if done right. It's, you know, especially since we've got Doom and Wolfstein already. It's just whether or not you know there is the demand for it. You know, it, it depends entirely on whether or not they want to put the game out. Especially when Smash is coming. I think we might even see a bit of drop in third-party game support. Purely around the title of Smash because it's like, is anyone really going to play this game? If I put it on it. Yeah. They're going to be obsessed with Smash. No one in their right mind will want to compete with Smash and Pokemon near the end of this year. Yeah, as far as Switch is concerned, you just can't do it. You won't have a link to stand on. They need to bring Dark Souls Remastered out this summer for it to stand a chance. Yeah, that's that's very, very true. They. I mean, anything within that time frame, that window, they need to uh, be very, very, very careful because Smash is going to over, that's going to overpower everything. And I think that's why Sony and Microsoft are trying to release their stuff earlier in the summer and the early fall because when Smash drops, that's taking everything out. So's the uh, so's the Pokemon games. I mean, don't rule them out. There is yeah. a huge amount of appeal in Pokemon Go still. So to have a pretty much full-on version of that on your Switch, a lot of Pokemon Go players could be making leaps to Nintendo Switch this year and buying that game. So between that and Smash, Nintendo are going to have a brilliant last couple of months this year. It's it's the third party, you know, they will have to get out soon. It's like this month we've got Crash, Wolfenstein, and Yeast. This is the best, as good as the time as it gets this year now for them to risk, because any time later on in the year, there's no chance. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. All right, man. This has been a fun podcast. I know we went a little over our time frame. Uh, I know you have some stuff you had to do. It's late where you are. Isn't it, or is it early? Early? No, it's twelve thirty in the morning. <laughs> yeah. It's it's late, but yeah, it's it's been good. We, so we definitely do have to do this again sometime. We we definitely do, man. It it was it's uh it was a pleasure to have you on. I I enjoy your company on it. The fans love you. The chat loves you. Um, why don't you tell people what what stuff you have in the works? Uh, that way and where they can find you. Like what what. Uh, well, in the works, we are hoping to expand upon our Behind the Voice series of interviews where we talk with actors and actresses of iconic voice characters. Recently, we voiced Brianna Knickerbocker of Fire Emblem fame. We have reviewed Detective Pikachu himself, not Ryan Reynolds, the actual guy for the video game. I forget his name, which is really bad right now because he's <laughs> such a great guy. <laughs> so we really hope to expand that series some more. We even interviewed Charlotte Ann, who was none other than Princess Spider for Triforce Heroes. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. 
And uh, so we hope to do more of those interviews. We hope to do more fun features. And we want to do our next theme week. We haven't quite picked which game we're going to do dedicate an entire week of coverage to. But when we do, we'll go, you know, and there'll be more giveaways and so much more at my Tando 64. But, yeah, we definitely have to do a double release so come e3 week if you're like oh my god we've got to do an interview uh, we've got to do a podcast to talk about what's happened let me know and we'll do it straight away because i was just i was just thinking that i was saying we should definitely do something like that <laughs> oh, oh, e3 is going to be such a manic time i'm so mad because i was supposed to go to e3 oh see <laughs> I'm actually a bit happy because uh, compared to previous years, we actually have more of a team this time around. So if we're unlike two years ago where I was the only one covering E3 because mm-hmm. I was the only news writer available. And last year where it was pretty much just me and my brother Mike when he was available every now and then when he went at work. This year we've actually got a couple of guys in place to help cover the news. So I'm like, yay, I get to enjoy the news as opposed to going, tight, 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 tight. Work, you bastard computer. Because now that it's hot, my computer will literally overheat at every and any minute it wants to. So it's like, do you not want me to cover this news? So I have to borrow someone else's computer while my one's cooling down. (laughs) And it's so hot. And it's so hot, my fingers, they get dried out. And if I don't moisturize them, the skin cracks. And I literally start bleeding on the keyboard because it's so hot. I'm so dry. And my computer. So yeah, I, I I literally sweat and bleed for this stuff. Oh man! Oh, and like, I like I like <laughs> moisturize, but the fact is, I work in construction as well during the daytime, mm-hmm. so I have to have hardened hands because otherwise I'll just keep cutting them open on every time I'm like picking up blocks and stuff like that. Oh, so wow. I have hard hands and cracked skin already. So, but. If a lot of the time I get bloody fingers when typing during the summer. Wow. <laughs> if I, I have to bleed for my craft. It's 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 painful, but it can be rewarding but and hilarious at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> it's not fun when I'm cleaning the blood off my keyboard, but it's something you have to do. <laughs> Oh man! And I, I wouldn't mind, but I literally keep my computer next to a fan and a window, which I have open even at twelve o'clock at night, like it is now. I have my window wide open. It's solder in my room. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I hope you're enjoying the episode so far. And with that being said, I want to give a special shout out and thank you to our sponsors of the Casting of a Podcast, and that is IP Vanish. And I want to talk a little bit about what's important when it comes to protecting your data and your privacy when you're online. And when you're connecting to any public Wi-Fi or even when you're at hotels or any type of public transit where it has Wi-Fi capabilities, your protection and your internet security can be at risk. So I highly recommend that you use a service such as IPVanish to protect your browsing history and also when you're shopping online. That way you don't have any of your information stolen. And with that being said, if you want to learn more, then make sure you check out IPVanish.com or IPVanish.com slash Mikhail Casanova or check the link down in the description below. That way you can check out and get signed up for something to protect you when you surf online, whether it's on your smartphone, your computer, your tablet, it doesn't matter. It's time to protect yourself. Also, if you want to stream and you need to be out of the country, 
to access certain shows on Netflix and Hulu and the like, or if you're in a country that restricts certain things online, IP Vanish can definitely help with that. With that being said, back to the regular programming. Oh man, this, this has been fun, man. We we definitely we we're gonna do. I, I'm gonna say it now, folks. We're gonna be doing more collaborations in the future. I uh, because uh, I I love working with you guys, man. You, you this is fun. It, it's so amazing how much time just went by. We two and a half hours, and it doesn't even feel like it. <laughs> no, I really I really hope. In that two and a half hours, we've actually got something to share because we don't want to lose this one like the last show. Right? No, everything's good. <laughs> everything's good. Everything's good on this. Perfect. One. Because I think that was an hour and a half, and this one we've got an extra hour in, extra yeah. dialogue, extra stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it's just hilarious. And I've been meaning to say this entire time: your hat is awesome. I really like your hat. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I've been getting them from uh, my local Target. Uh, they have sales for all the Nintendo hats. Like they have a whole section of just Nintendo hats, and they are selling them. I don't know why, but they're like three dollars each. And they got this. They got some Pokemon ones. They've got the uh, Zelda ones. And I'm like, I, we just collect them. Like I, I, you can see them in the back. Like that's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So we were, we we're like, we're going to like, I, I don't typically wear hats, but like when it comes to Nintendo hats, I'll wear them because like, I, I like them. Yeah. <laughs> what about the Nintendo fan shoes? Did you ever get around to owning a pair of those? Ooh, I did not want that though. No, nor do we. Actually, that's Did you actually get the Super Mario cereal in Hawaii as well? Or is that just not there? Oh no 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 no! Oh, look, see, see. Ah, oh, there it. <laughs> oh, every time I go, like every time I go to Target or Walmart and I see them there, I just buy the entire thing. I'm like, I don't care. I'm taking this whole roll. So have you have you seen the other box yet, or is it still the original design? Because they did a redesign, didn't they? Without not so much red. Yeah, we only have the original one here. We we haven't gotten the redesign. I was see, a lot, to see, that. see, I love you, Tony, which you said that. Yeah, we've only got the original one here. Everyone else is like, oh, my God, I want the original. Why do I have to have the new one? It's like, yeah, we've only got the original. <laughs> Rub it in for them, why don't you? <laughs> you? You should try and contact one of them and arrange a meet in a dark and dally one day. Just swap them. <laughs> Oh man, definitely, definitely. All right, man. Um, that, that I guess we're gonna wrap it up here. Thank you guys for watching. I want to thank Mike Tindo sixty four for being on the podcast. This has been one of my most look forward to podcasts doing. Uh, thank you so much for being on the show, man. You're absolutely welcome. Can't wait Great. to do this again. We, we definitely, we're, we're definitely gonna do this again. And thank you to everyone who's watching. Uh, who watched it? Who has watched this live as we streamed it? And everyone who's going to watch it, this will be up in a couple hours on iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, and we are working really hard to get this on Amazon Music because I think that would be awesome to have it there. Um, 
But you can also find more links to reviews and whatnot on MikhailCastanova.com. Make sure you do hit the subscribe button and ding the notification bell. And if you're on Twitter, follow myself and my guests, MikeTendo64. Find us on Twitter. Follow us there. And also go to his website. Go ahead and plug your website, man. The website is MikeTendo64.com, all lowercase. It's a parody sort of thing to the Nintendo 64, aka the second greatest Nintendo console of all time, because the Switch is clearly number one. And we do all kinds of manic stuff. And we did recently update our website, so we're hoping you do like the new design. Yeah. So stay tuned to their site. Make sure you go there and you check it out because they have phenomenal content. Uh, I think they're one of the best go-to for Nintendo and gaming-related news. So make sure you go there, people. MikeTendo64.com. And with that being... If you do, Mm -hmm. if you do visit us, be sure to mention you come from Michael. That way we know to thank him every time. (laughs) (laughs) So make sure to do that, people. All right. And with that being said, we're going to wrap it up. Everyone, thank you for watching, and we will hope to see you on the next one. Hey, did you like that episode? And do you want to hear more? Make sure you tune in every Wednesday and Saturday at 10 p.m. Hawaii Standard Time for a new episode of the Casanova Podcast, hosted on iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. And make sure, if you really like it, subscribe. And if you want more content from Mikhail Casanova, then make sure you go over to our website at MikhailCasanova.com and make sure you also subscribe on our YouTube channel at Mikhail Casanova. And with that being said, thank you for listening. We'll catch you on the next one.